0: this is the greatest story ever played i'm dan and i'm joined by
1: katie hi dan thanks for having me again
0: yes welcome back also actually you're the first person to be here five times as a guest so congratulations oh my God. yes i know <laughs> i was looking back and i was like wow that's 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 incredible so congratulations first thank of five. you
1: i i was thinking that i was like i've been on here a lot and people are either going to be like oh, that's great. She's on again. Or they're going to be like, oh my God, she's on again. <laughs> <laughs> she never leaves.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> I'm sure that the reaction is the first for sure. Uh, it should be. I certainly feel that oh, way. i very glad to have you back again. Katie, of course, is from Cutscenes and also newly a co-host of Left Behind Game Club. So very cool. That's some podcast change in your world since last time we were on here. I, I guess if uh, somehow people do not know uh, about the shows that you are part of, uh, tell us about them.
1: Uh, yeah. I'll give a quick little blurb here. Cutscenes is a seasonal podcast with me and two friends, uh, Jacob McCourt and Travis Colnutt, who've both been on this podcast also. And we each episode centers on a different video game related movie or TV show, and we kind of watch them, then come together, give our takes, our likes, our dislikes. It's a lot of fun. We kind of like to rib each other and uh, just, you know, keep it light and have a good time. But then also, you know, I I teach you a couple things about these movies. So we have that. And then also, like you said, I've joined Left Behind Game Club as another one of their hosts. They started off with Jacob, uh, Mo, and Mike. And they've been doing awesome for, I think, over five years now. And they wanted to bring a couple more people on board. So I've joined on there. And... Yeah, and that's a lot of fun too. Kind of same, kind of the same idea as what you've got going on here. A little bit less story focused, but it's a video game book club type podcast. And it's also a lot of fun. Informative, fun, you know, they keep it light. We like things, like we like to talk about cool video games. And and yeah, it's a good time soon. You should check them out.
0: Yep, 100%. Totally agree. Highly recommend both those shows. I've gotten to guest on each. They were both fun. Also, with Left Behind Game Club, uh, there's a fair amount of crossover of games that we might cover and they might cover. And one thing I've found pretty rewarding is to play a game myself, record an episode on it, and then go see what you guys thought about it Uh, and kind of hear things that, oh, I totally missed that thing. Or, oh, that's a. or that's a new perspective on this, or all of that. So that's something I really, really enjoy uh, Mm -hmm. about podcasts that are that style, but especially with Left Behind Game Club. So
1: Yeah, and right now they're kind of in the middle of releasing their episodes on the first season of Life is Strange. Yeah. And that's been fun to follow along with.
0: Yeah, that's been great. I've really loved following along with that. Um, Yeah, if anyone's listening and they haven't checked out their Life is Strange episodes. Definitely hop on that. I've really enjoyed uh, reliving the game again uh, through other people. Uh, It's fantastic stuff. Uh, Awesome, cool. Well, that's a little bit about what Katie does, but of course we know you're here to talk about Horizon Forbidden West. So uh, this is what people wanna hear about. Let's dig into that. Uh, Would you wanna grab that description for us, Katie?
1: Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Explore distant lands, fight bigger and more awe-inspiring machines, and encounter astonishing new tribes as you return to the far future post-apocalyptic world of Horizon. The land is dying. Vicious storms and an unstoppable blight ravage the scattered remnants of humanity, while fearsome new machines prowl their borders. Life on Earth is hurtling towards another extinction, and no one knows why. It's up to Aloy to uncover the secrets behind these threats and restore order and balance to the world. Along the way, she must reunite with old friends, forge alliances with warring new factions, and unravel the legacy of the ancient past.
0: Awesome. Thank you. This was developed by Guerrilla Games. We, of course, know them for developing uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, the first game in this series. And also they did uh, the Killzone series. Uh, was the kind of their main thing they did before Horizon came along. So, yeah, that is our game. What it is, before we kind of dive into our recap and deeper dive and all that stuff, though, uh, we wanted to give a spot to kind of give some non-spoiler impressions on the game, maybe give you some idea of maybe things we like or didn't like, or, uh, I don't know, if this game is for you, maybe these thoughts will help you get an idea on that. So, one thing I guess I can say off top is I loved returning to the world of Horizon with Aloy. I played, I think 55 hours by the time we're recording, I didn't do everything. I didn't platinum it yet, but I plan to, and I want to go back and like finish up the stuff I didn't do, but I did do, I think most of the side quests. I think all the side quests that I had found, I had done by the time I was done and I'd looked at a large portion of the map and do want to go back to Platinum it. And I'm not a trophy hunter at all. I don't Platinum games ever. I don't care about that. Uh, But I did Platinum Horizon Zero Dawn, and I plan to do the same thing here. So for me, I dove all in and am super into this game. So that's one of my impressions off top. Uh, What about for you?
1: Same. I agree. Basically, if you liked Horizon, then you are. I guarantee you will enjoy this game. It's Horizon, but every aspect has been improved and polished a bit. I feel like every component of this game is is better to some degree, some things way better and some things just like little, little bit of polishing, like said. So yeah, if you liked Horizon before, you'll like it now. And if you've never played it before, I suggest you give it a try. Like I, Or even, you know what, if you wanna try and get the first one, maybe on a sale, on a discount and give that a try. But if you haven't played Horizon at all, please try. It's so much fun. It's just, I find it just so extremely enjoyable. Just the traversal even, just just running around the world and looking at all these machines, speaking of all the machines, there's more of them. The variety is insane. There are so many different kinds and they are all so detailed. Like individually, each one, each variety has so much detail put into them, it's just, it's super impressive.
0: Yeah, it it really is. I think I think you said it really well of just, it's the first game, but better, and more, and bigger. Um, and, <laughs> you, you know, which is wild, because, like, I'm sure a lot of things try to do that, and it just doesn't happen. But Horizon Forbidden West actually did it. It was like, sure, let's make more to do. Let's yeah. add more machines. Let but it, it worked. It all like landed, which I, I don't know. I'm really impressed by.
1: Yeah. There's there's a lot to do to the point where there was a lot of things that I was just like, nah, I don't need to do that. Like there are so you have your main story. You have your side quests, which like you, I did. I did every side quest that I found because they were They were involved enough, and I felt like I got enough out of them that I was like, no, these feel kind of essential. Like you met characters that either recurred or there was like a story that felt important to the world that they all felt important. So I made sure to do every side quest. I did most of the errands, and most of those were like, they're fine. There wasn't anything as important there, but they still felt good enough that I, I didn't hate doing them. It wasn't like you know go get me five of these flowers although they did do that once but <laughs> it was still fun like i was still like oh but it's in this valley where this new machine is i haven't seen yet so they kind of found ways to mix those in but that's where i was getting to is they have all these other things that are just kind of like little things you can do they've got what your they've got your melee pits They've got your um, your machine strike games. They've got hunting grounds. They've got ruins. You can get these ornaments out of these ruins. There's viewpoints that you have to figure out what the view is to match the picture. And basically all of those, I did one of them. And then I was like, yeah, I don't need to do any of, any of those again. Like, I did literally one of each of those things. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Because there's too much to do. There's so much that I'm like, I can't do all of this. And I'm going to do every side quest. So those things, they're there if you want to, and if you enjoy them. And I'm sure some people really do. So that's great. But I, I felt like I could just kind of run by those and, and not feel like I was missing a whole lot.
0: That was my experience, too. I, I think I did one or none of some of those periphery ones, like you mentioned, I was like, I'll just mop that up when I platinum it, I don't need to do it now. But like you said, with the side quest, especially and even the errands to some degree, but like I felt like they all felt different enough, too, that it wasn't like, oh, it's, you know, the side quest I did on one side of the map, I'm just doing a uh, slightly different version of it later. Instead, they felt like they gave me something rewarding, like a story or a new machine or any of that, which I I was pretty surprised by. Like, I'm not... uh, When I play like open world games, I do side quest, but I don't often do all of them. Horizon, I I did for both games, but like that's not my normal way to play games either. And so I think that them just having that work was, I don't know, really cool.
1: Yeah, and sometimes they're they're following the same blueprint sometimes where it's like, oh, where did they go? We have to find this trail after this fight. And then you go down this way and you're gonna find a machine and you're gonna probably find this person who's missing. But even though sometimes it follows that same path, the story behind it is interesting enough. And the, the um, NPC that you talk to is like an individual, like with their own, we're from a different tribe or they have a different problem going on that reflects on the bigger world. So even if it some of them followed the same path, it still felt rewarding and different enough. So yeah, I really appreciate that for sure.
0: Actually, I guess also of the more periphery ones, the ruins, I did do a lot more of those uh, just because you'd get lore pieces. And I, I like hearing, like getting the audio logs or the diary entries or whatever of Lee like before times. I really enjoyed that stuff. So I would soak that up and go after that or, or the orbs. I did go after those too because I like turning those in. But because uh, I like Stemmer. He's a goof. Um, <laughs> he is a goof. He's a lovable goof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think there's a lot here, as we've been saying. Um, my my kind of like last comment overall about it is for me, Horizon Zero Dawn, I think is my favorite game, just kind of in general. I, I don't know. It just really stuck with me and has just kept being a favorite. And now running into this, I'm like playing Forbidden West. I'm like, I also really love this game. And I think it's gotten to a point where I don't think I can separate them anymore. Like Horizon Zero Dawn, Horizon Forbidden West, they just kind of go together now for me in my mind. Like, for The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2, I don't really separate them. I'm not like, oh, one is good and the other one's good also instead, or one's good and I don't like one. I I like both of them a lot. But, you know, just kind of pairing them together of it's the same story, it's still going, that sort of feel. And I, I feel like that's how Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West feel to me now. They're like, cool, they're conjoined for one of my favorite games now kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I can see that for sure. I mean, it's a direct continuation of the same story. Just everything around it is, like I said, improved. All the mechanics, um, the animations, uh, the way the NPC, all the voice acting, like uh, it's it's all just better. So, but the first one was already great. So we're just polishing up a a good game to a even better game.
0: Yeah, (laughs) totally. Cool. Yeah, that's that's all I really had on non spoiler stuff. Did you have anything else?
1: Uh, no, yeah, I pretty much covered it.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, all right. So that's our non spoiler section. Um, from now on, spoilers are coming. So if you haven't played this game or if you don't want to hear potential spoilers, we're going to deep dive into the story at large and all of that stuff. So uh, this would be a good time to drop off if you don't want those spoilers. All right. Cool. So, I think before we can even talk about the story, I think one kind of quick thing we do need to do is talk about our characters. As we mentioned, there are tons and tons of people in this game. We, of course, will not list all of them. That would take forever and probably not be very fun. Uh, But there are some key figures who you meet early in the game who I specifically want to highlight. Um, There are some characters who are key that you do meet later in the game, but um, I don't know. I didn't want to mention them off rip we'll meet them in the story but um so a couple of our key characters we've got so we've got Aloy she of course is our protagonist she's a Nora outcast uh and now she's uh, a bit of a celebrity I would say she's like the savior of Meridian when you pick up with her at the beginning of the game she's like a legend you know everyone knows oh that's Aloy she's the one who saved the world kind of thing Then we've got Silence, who was also in the first game, and he, I guess, I would say is Aloy's kind of scheming rival. He kind of teams up with her at times, but is always scheming and sort of getting something for himself along the way, and that's sort of their relationship uh, when this game begins. We've got Varl, who is a Nora, who's an ally of Aloy's. He showed up at the end of the last game and was uh, with her some in the game last time, but he shows up at the end of the last one. He's one of her uh, companions. Erend, he's a Osarum ally of Aloys. He also was uh, someone who was around last game and was a, rival- uh, a teammate at the end. He's a member of like the Kingsguard kind of thing, so he does that. And then some new characters we get. Uh, we get Zoe. She's an Utaro Gravesinger, so she's in a new tribe out in the Forbidden West. We meet her. We've got Chief Hikaro. He's the leader of the Tanakh. The Tanakh are the main kind of new tribe we meet in this game, and he is the head of them. And their tribe is made up of uh, like 3 subtribes, essentially, and he's a leader over all of them. So he's, he's kind of a big deal over there. You've got Katalo, who's a Tanakh Martha- Marshal. Which is basically like um, people who, I don't know, enforce the chief's rules and stuff like that. They're, that's sort of his role in this. And then the last kind of main person we meet early on is Regala, who's a leader of the rebellion against Akaro. So she is Tanakh, but her and a group of other Tanakh have kind of put off Hakaro and they have started kind of a civil war that's going on there so that's a little bit of the who's who for I would say the first part of the game and again we will meet many other people along the way
1: yeah I think that's that's I most of them I believe trying to think back because it's a long game but yeah that pretty much covers everybody
0: (laughs) yeah a lot of folks so I think also in addressing these characters uh we probably have favorites so I was curious who are some of your like favorite characters in this game
1: so first and foremost. I love Aloy. Some people, since the game has come out, there's been some discourse about some people being middling or being like, well, you know, she's very stubborn and she makes mistakes and uh, she's kind of not harsh, but she's kind of dry and she's not the most affectionate person. And for some reason, I relate to all of those things. I'm stubborn. I can be dry. I can, I I just relate to what she says when she's like, just says something back to somebody where she's just unimpressed with something that somebody said and she makes like a snarky comment. I'm like, ah, that's my girl. That's my girl. And yes, she's extremely stubborn and that's me, even in her mistakes. So I love Aloy in spite of her flaws. And then I have others, but I'll let you go.
0: I, I likewise love Aloy. I'm I'm a big proponent of Team Aloy, for sure. I really like her. I I, I like, too, that, like, you, you see these flaws she has or issues, but that her, like, big aim is that she cares about the world, humanity, that kind of thing. And so it's, like, that's her driving force, even when she, like, is put off by people or doesn't want help or, you know, like, that those kinds of things. It's, like, I, I don't know. I really like her a lot as a hero, and... I think getting to see her like progress in that too, like from the previous game, right? She was an outcast. She she has like no reason to care about people really, especially in the first game. Now she's like developed friends kind of, even though she remains distant at times yeah. or whatever, but.
1: She's coming around.
0: Yeah, she's coming around. You see her have, you know, interactions with people where she is coming around in there, but I, I really like her too. And um, yeah, I'm all about, all about Aloy. Another character I liked a lot is Varl. I feel like he's just so wholesome. (laughs) He's just such a good guy. And, you know, there are these different times where Aloy is like, sure, I like being friends, but then we'll like, I don't know, run away in the middle of the night or something like that. (laughs) And Varl's like, well, I still want to help you. Like he's, he's just committed. Also, like 1000% respects Aloy and is like behind her kind of thing, which I I don't know. I think he's, he's just a gem for sure.
1: Yeah, Varl's a gem the end like he's yeah. just a nice guy nice he's like your best friend like he is loyal he's nice he's uh, he's everything you would want in like your best friend and he's kind of um i don't know he's endearing so yeah no love varl for sure
0: yeah oh yeah i had one more person who i want to highlight uh is i like Catalo quite a bit as well because when you meet him he just seems to be this like asshole warrior guy but he comes around as time goes and like really respects you as like a warrior, but as a leader, as a person, like all all of that stuff. And I thought that was cool to see that he was more than just, uh, you know, I'm in a warrior clan and we do war guy stuffs. Like, I don't know. I thought that was cool.
1: Well, his whole um, story arc kind of serves to fleshen him out. Which is, I mean, I think we'll get into it, but he loses his arm pretty early in the story. As a person who's built his entire identity on being like the strongest warrior, it being having this physical difficulty kind of happen to him, he takes it really hard. And then that kind of makes him not, doesn't, he kind of shows that he can have like, some weakness and embrace like some emotional vulnerability. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, And he kind of like entrusts other people. He kind of entrusts Aloy with the fact that he's kind of struggling like emotionally with this thing. And that he wants to at one point kind of try and get like a prosthetic and and that it's, it's a challenge for him. And I feel like that helps a lot to make him more human and multidimensional and, yeah just kind of show different aspects of his personality instead of i am the best warrior in the end and that's all i have to deal with like it's uh his story is kind of one of the one of my favorite arcs as far as your secondary characters go
0: yeah it, it's cool that he has to kind of reconcile like to him right his whole value is that i'm an ultimate warrior but like you said he loses an arm and so then he's like okay how can i I am still valuable or how could I still be valuable or what will I do and I have a lot of things to offer and, and including being able to still be a warrior but also oh, these yeah. other things. Yeah he's still great with one army, he's still better than most people. It's kind of
1: just people. like culturally within the Tanakh it seems to be a thing of like oh well you're damaged now so you're not as good so therefore you're not strong so there for you. We kind of push you to the side. It's more of like kind of a cultural thing rather than him actually being weak because he's still like you said a very you know strong warrior.
0: Yep totally. Yeah those were a couple of my highlighted people. Did you have other people that you wanted to talk about?
1: I love Aaron. See Aaron is so he's kind of like Varl in that he's super loyal. He is he's got your back but he'll give Aloy a harder time about things a little bit and he'll kind of be like hey you keep doing that thing where you take off or you push us away and i'll be here when you need me but like it's not cool like he'll kind of dig at her a bit more and 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 poke and prod and say that's not cool that you're doing this thing but then he's still like your best friend like i love aaron i always want to see what aaron has to say he's kind of like the big the big Osram who's kind of like this technology <laughs> like like they're like oh here's all this technology and information and like literature to look at and learn things. And he's like, oh God, okay. And he's overwhelmed, but then he's still like, is like, no, I can do this. And he tries really hard, even though that's not his game at all. But uh, but yeah, he's like, no, I, he's like, I can do this. Just give me some time and, and I'll, I can do this.
0: I really liked getting updates from him as to what he's learning. He's like, I found heavy metal. This is really cool. Um,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> or things like that. But I, I agree. It's like he, and his whole like natural tendency is like, I'm a big dude. I, I like drink a bunch of beers and I kill people with my axe. That's what yeah. I do. And then it's like, well, we need you to like learn and learn to read and things like that. And he's like, all right, I guess I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's, I really like him, too. He's he's a good member of the crew, for sure. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, so these are a couple of our favorites. There are also many, many other characters. Also, unfortunately, probably even along the way, like we mentioned, there are side quest characters who we probably enjoyed, who we may not even talk about in this, because we will largely stay to the main story because we want to be here a somewhat reasonable amount of time. Um, (laughs) You know, even though there's plenty of things to talk about and plenty of people you meet throughout this game who have good stuff to tell. So if for some reason someone you love doesn't come up, sorry that they don't come up and that they were in one side quest or something, but uh, I don't know. There's so much that's great that's here. But yeah, also I asked online uh, what other people's favorite characters are. So we've got a couple of responses. Connor on Twitter said, I'd knock back a few brews with Aaron any day. Totally agree. Katalo was an interesting new addition, and I like getting to know him so far. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, we we're both with you there.
1: At Tom on Twitter says, really liking Katalo's intensity in contrast to Aaron being the doofus of the game. Varal's performance is really good, and his relationship with Zoe and her character is well done. I agree. Yeah, them, their, like, flirtation and then growing into relationship was um, believable. I was like, yeah, I I buy into this very much. And just, I don't know, they were very tender. It was very sweet.
0: They were nice. I, I enjoyed getting to, like, come back and talk with them every, like, I don't know after i'd played for a while and come back and see kind of oh they've been at the base and like oh they move their stuff into the room together or like this thing's going on with them and
1: mm-hmm. or they're having a little argument about something trivial but yeah and he's like <laughs> varl's like i screwed it up and what do i do and she's like yeah he knows he screwed up i'm like very nice That's great.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i really enjoyed that daniel on twitter said uh silence and sakura uh were pretty interesting And then uh, Larry on Twitter said, my same favorite character from Horizon Zero Dawn, Petra, but for the new characters, it's Delilah and Boomer.
1: Yes. Yeah. Delilah and Boomer are fantastic. That was also a a nice, that was a side quest, I believe. Um, Yeah. Which, uh, that was just cool because it's two sisters and one of them kind of is a little bit detached from just like how she socializes with people and kind of focuses in on what she's doing and then uh dayla is uh, just kind of like socializes normally and kind of has a hard time understanding how boomer sees the world and that's another thing that it kind of develops and then she kind of realizes like no she's good like she's do- she's fine the way she is like she's just um she just sees th- and experiences things differently from-, from me which is a you know real life scenario that happens in a lot of families right um, but yeah, I thought that was really well done. And I, I loved following up with them.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, And getting to see them grow to understand each other too. Because I think in that side quest, like, Boomer had left to go, like, she likes to make explosive weapons. And so she went off to go do that. But they'd had kind of an argument before. So Dela was like, oh, we had a fight. So she got mad and left. And Boomer's like oh, no, I just had an explosive idea, so I went and solved my problem. She's
1: like, we were mad? What do you mean? Because she doesn't have the same experience with social interactions. So she was like, I don't understand. What do you mean that you felt mad? Like, I didn't feel mad. Maybe you felt mad, but I didn't feel mad, and I'm fine. And everything's great, and then that's it.
0: Yeah, I I thought that was cool. Um, I enjoyed that.
1: Uh, Sonia on Twitter uh, says Beta and Alva interesting so i i liked them both i actually liked beta more the longer we were around her at first at first i appreciated that she i just liked listening to her like ashley birch did a tremendous job Mm -hmm. voicing two different characters who are the same person like they're both uh you know spoilers but we're already there uh they're both (laughs) clones of elizabeth sobek so it's the same person but they're totally different and I thought Beta was voiced in a very interesting way way, where she was kind of anxious and she's kind of like approaches things intellectually and is very different from Aloy and I just like listening to her talk and then the more she more she got comfortable the more I felt comfortable with her and yeah I grew to like Beta a lot and Alva's just nice she's just a lovely time.
0: Uh, Yeah I felt like by the end of the game I was like super into Beta and Really enjoyed her, uh, and like to see her begin to open up and have like hope in her life and things like that.
1: Uh, and Chris on Twitter says, Zoe seemed like a nice character. Beta, too. Agreed. Nice.
0: Uh, Morgan on Twitter said, I liked Aaron's evolution from being a dude bro dick to someone with depth, who feels for his sister, wants to be feel fulfilled by doing a good job and fighting for his friends. Uh, I like that, too. Along the way, because there were definitely different times where Aaron, when he'd kind of scold you for like ditching, he would also be like, you know, I just wish I was someone you thought could help you kind of thing. Like he could get kind of down on himself. And it was more than just being like, I don't know, just the macho guy with the axe or whatever.
1: Yeah, he's more hurt by Aloy detaching than he is angry. Like he is, he, he takes it kind of personally, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree. And then lastly, uh, Eski on Twitter said, I loved Alva's enthusiasm. Catalo had some refreshing depth, stares at Erend. So um, <laughs> I don't think that the depth for Erend worked for them, which is all right. But I-, I think one of the comments they made, though, about Alva's enthusiasm, I did really like that when, you know, so Alva's, like, role is kind of the knowledge gainer for her tribe of, like, I'm just supposed to learn things. And so when Aloy kind of opens up more learning to her, she's like, oh my God, more things to learn? Like she's so about it, which I thought was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and with no limitations too. Whereas tribe, the Quen, I think, are very like no this is what you're going to learn and this is who you're going to tell it to and you're not going to tell it to other people and like this is the zone that you're going to work in and you're not going to share it with anybody except for the people that we tell you to share it with and so yeah you take those chains off and she's like yes i get i get to learn and i get to teach too so and it just and her voice too and like her face is just like bright is very bright whereas a lot of other people can be kind of like dour and this is very serious and she's like, This is awesome. I'm learning so many things. And <laughs> yeah, she she's uh like I said, she's a bright light.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's really nice to get with that for such a um a lot of the people we meet just kill the things that are around them and that's yeah. their vibe. <laughs> and like she can do that, but that's not who she is. You know, she's that that uh that light, that energy kind of thing like you described.
1: Yeah. And the interaction between everyone is great. Like Catalo, like when you ask people each character, like, Oh, what do you think about so and so and they like, like Catalo's opinion of Alva was funny, where he's like, well, I mean, yes, yeah, she's nice. But like, I don't think that she can like, hold her own anywhere. Like we throw her out there, she's gonna she's gonna die. And then Aloy's like, no, no, like, give her a chance. And then eventually, he kind of respects her more. And like, said, like, someone earlier mentioned, just like people interacting with other people is very, very interesting, because they're all very, very different.
0: Yeah, I, li- I like that a lot too. Just kind of seeing, okay, what's the. You go back to base and you're like, oh, what has so and so learned about someone? It's like, oh, Zoe and Aaron got into some arguments because Aaron was being an asshole and Zoe put him in his place, <laughs> or like things like that. It's great. I really enjoyed that. Cool. All right. I feel like we've got a good who's who. Those are our characters. Now, finally, on to our uh, main event. The recap: We're gonna deep dive deep into the story itself of Horizon Forbidden West. Now, the game begins uh, six months after Horizon Zero Dawn, and Aloy has been looking for a backup for Gaia to repair the terraforming system. We're in this spot where the land's dying; uh, it's not going well. There's this red—I uh, think they call it the blight—and it gets all over like the plants and just like kills the plants. It's toxic to the animals. It's bad for people. It's a mess. The world is not going well. Even though they defeated uh, what they needed to at the end of the last game, the world is still against them, basically.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much where we're at. It takes a little bit to get going, I'm going to be honest. The first, the introduction, like the uh, tutorial section, I was like, eh, this is okay. Like I was a little bit concerned because I was so hyped for this game, and then I was playing that part, and I was like, this is fine. And then kind of once we get to the open world, that's where it really clicked for me but yeah this is just kind of like setting the base of where are we what are we doing
0: I agree I liked once the world opened up too because when you feel constrained it feels weird because that's not a thing I felt or remember from my time playing Horizon Zero Dawn I'm sure that I guess Horizon probably started off that same way back in the Nora area but it didn't feel that way because it was the first time you played you didn't know but you know most of your time playing Horizon Zero Dawn was in your big world. And so being confined in this tutorial section was a little strange at first. But yeah, fortunately it is uh, small by the time you win the game <laughs> where you're in this section. So that's nice. While there, while Aloy is off searching for this Gaia backup, uh, Varl catches up with Aloy and ends up teaming up with her. She gives Varl a focus, uh, which he accepts, which is interesting because Venora are you know against technology they don't engage with it but varol is like okay cool i trust you aloy i'll do this he starts using the focus and you know his mind's blown like aloy's was when she first used the focus back in the first game and they make their way through this far zenith data center uh because aloy thinks that maybe a gaia backup would be here and she goes through and they ultimately end up finding a fake copy of Gaia, that uh, at first it looks like you're downloading it, but then a hologram pops up and it's like, no, 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 this isn't it, sort of thing. Uh, You got duped. So their search has to continue. And the far zenith base, or the zenith base that they were at there, the data center, gave some coordinates out west for, no, it didn't give them coordinates. It's a no-go, and so Varl convinces, I think, Aloy to return to Meridian, because maybe they can kind of figure out uh, the next place to look from there, kind of recoup. So they go back to Meridian. It gets a welcome from King of Odd. You start to kind of see some of the old folks, and she goes and investigates the Spire, which was where the last game ended. There was a big battle in Meridian, and her lance, like, went into the machine she fought, and... The, I don't know, the ground around there is looking weird, right? There's kind of, all the people are kind of freaked out by a light from it. Is that right?
1: I think so. Yeah, the beginning is a little vague. When you don't really have a strong purpose, the main thing that I took from the beginning is it just looking at the Far Zenith data center. Like, I don't remember them mentioning these people in the first game. Am I right? Is this the first time that they've mentioned them?
0: I feel like if they did, it had to have been really periphery. I didn't remember them either.
1: No. So, which is basically like a group of people that when Horizon Zero Dawn, when the event was happening and with the apocalypse, where they, this group of people took off into space to try to find somewhere else that was habitable since this whole planet was, you know, being destroyed. That was the most interesting part that I took from this whole thing. Cause I don't find silence to be that, I don't, I have a hard time with silence. I like, the, I like the voice actor, I like how he talks and like just the writing, but his motivations are always so shrouded that I don't know what he wants or what he's doing. I don't know what our conversations are. Like, I'm like, what is this? what are we doing? Like an Aloy doesn't really know what he wants. So I'm, I, I have a hard time with silence as a antagonist. And I did in the first game.
0: Right. He, well, yeah, like you said, it's so mystery. It's, it's such a, there's always a veil kind of thing. And I I feel similarly. I like the voice actor. I think that the character is like interesting as a concept and stuff, but I'm like, who? What do you want? what What's your, what's your end game? Where are you
1: from? Like, what is your yeah? What is what is your base motivation? Even if it's not like, oh, you're like what it it doesn't have to be what you want right now. But like, I feel like I don't know enough about him to be interested by him. As far as like trying to guess what he's trying to do, I'm just like, I don't know what you're. I don't know what you want. You want power in some way, and but you kind of want the world to be okay so i don't know yeah the beginning of the game was a little a little tough for me
0: yeah he, i feel like he almost seems like he's like he might have the same desires as aloy a lot but just is
1: yeah just a completely different approach
0: yeah a, a mysterious approach that often seems kind of bad um, mm-hmm. like th- that that's sort of like the vibes you get or when you get things understood some you just sort of see that but a lot of it is just um He makes for a kind of strange rival for Aloy, Mm -hmm. I would say, because like she uh, in the game, she shows that she really hates him. But to me, the player, I'm not like I don't always feel the same way Aloy does. I'm more like, all right, I'm uh, you know, what are you exactly? Yeah. Yeah. She goes, though, to the final battle site. She pulls her like Lance out and a hologram or a call from silence pops up. And he's like, oh, you finally, like, figured out my ruse. You're dumb. It took you six months. And he tells you that he took Hades. So when you, like, used his spear on the machine, it took Hades and it transported Hades to where Silence was. And so Silence is in the Forbidden West with Hades. And he says, hey, if you want to, like, understand my ruse, come get me kind of thing. And so Aloy's like, all right, fuck that. I'm going to go get him. So Aloy and Varl are going to head to the Forbidden West. But the Forbidden West, of course, is forbidden. You're not allowed to go there. So um, the Tanakh live out there, and they're basically like a super warrior tribe. The kind of reputation they have is like, if you walk on their side of the line, they're just going to kill you because you're not supposed to be there. Like, that's the... That's the reputation they have. Meanwhile, we know the Karja. That's uh, Avad's kind of clan who we dealt with a lot in the last game. And the Karja and the Tanakhs have like a bloody history. They had uh, Avad's dad was like the mad Sun king, and he did a lot of bad stuff to the Tanakh back in the day. So there's a lot of bad blood, wariness between these two tribes. And so the Karja have been trying to repair relationships with the Tanakh and they have an embassy that is actually coming up in a couple days. So Aloy and Varl want to go to that embassy. If they go to that embassy, they could get uh, a rite of passage from the Tanakh there to be able to go find silence, to be able to figure out what's going on with this Blight, and hopefully fix that, fix the terraforming system. That's sort of their goal at this point. So they get ready to go do that, but then Aloy ditches Varl in the night, they make plans to like leave together in the morning and then Aloy just leaves early because she again wants to do everything alone.
1: That's what she does, man. She ditches people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure she could probably cover it with like, well, I'm trying to keep him safe. It's like, nah, you just like to do things solo. It's just who you are. Like, it's, it's, I. what are you going to do? So yeah, she does exactly what she always does. And she ditches him. Yep.
0: (laughs) So from here, we pick up with Aloy, and she meets the Karger representative on the way to the embassy. And he's at the top of this, uh... uh like, ski lift, essentially. Um yeah. <laughs> This big ski lift.
1: Like a gondola.
0: Yeah. And he won't enter the valley because it's said to be dangerous. There are machines down there. Um, this guy's a dick and sucks. He's like, um... Uh, like a priest almost sort of thing of the Karcha. He's like a representative of Avad. And he's clearly not a fighting person. He's like someone who lives in the capital city and just does shit like that. So he won't enter the valley because there's machines in there. But Erend and the guard have gone ahead to clear the way. And I guess that the valley will be declared clear by the town down there when the town's like mayor blows this horn and that will declare it. So he says... I won't go ahead until that's cleared. And you're like, fine, I'll clear the valley. Like, screw you. So Aloy goes down, kills her way through the machines, makes her way to that town and meets Olvind, who's kind of the mayor of this town. And while you're there, you find out that Olvind's a piece of crap and basically wants to slow the Karja down uh, because he doesn't want a treaty between the Tanakh and the Karja, because he sort of operates as sort of a, I'm a guy in the middle, I'm a merchant, I make a lot of money from both of these people. And if they don't like each other, or don't at least have peace, if they're more kind of neutralish feeling, then that's good for me, because then I sort of reap all the benefits, sort of guy.
1: Yeah, Alvind is, like, the everyone's worst concept of a politician. Like, he is a politician's politician, who those decisions are do not revolve around what's actually going to like benefit everybody. It's literally either what's going to either make him money, or what will give everyone the perception that he is doing good by them, whether it's true or not. He's like, oh no, they'll think that I have their back. Therefore, that's the thing that I'm going to do. So yeah, he's he's a trash bag.
0: Yeah, <laughs> total <laughs> trash bag. Yeah. Anything that makes him look good, that's what he'll do. Anything that makes him money, it's fine. No, he's he's totally the politician of like no, there's nothing that's right or wrong. It's just what benefits me and keeps mm-hmm. me in power, kind of thing. But Eloy makes him blow the whistle. She basically traps him in a like, oh, if this or this happens, then you'd have to blow the whistle, right? And he's like, sure, I guess so. And then you go do those things, and you make him eat his words and blow the whistle. The valley's declared safe this gets the embassy jerk down there you, you meet Errand along this way and so now you're ready to have the embassy meeting finally but it is slow to slow to commence because only two-thirds of the Tanakh banners have been raised so the Tanakh have three tribes hakaro is the leader over all of them and then you've got three tribes within there uh, i think they each represent a different region within the tanakh lands but one of the groups didn't show up yet. Or uh, they did show up, but they won't put their banners up to say, cool, it's embassy, kind of thing. And because that's not there, it hasn't... The Karja can't come out because they don't want to, like, disrespect the traditions of the embassy kind of thing. So Aloy goes outside of the wall to go figure out what's going on on her own. She gets there, and she meets a guy named Marshall Freshov, who is a guy who was a Karja during, like, the Red Raids, but he got captured and has since become a Tanakhs Marshal. So not just a Tanakh, but he's a Marshal. He's one of, like, Hakaro's um, police force makes them seem bad. Something better than that. Um, <laughs> a, a governor, maybe? Something like that, of that almost. Like, he's he's someone who keeps order, or a peacekeeper. Maybe that'd be a better term. But something of that range. So he's 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 actually like a fairly significant Tanakh person at this point. Uh, a representative, all of that stuff.
1: Yeah, no, and he's he's done well. Like, he's like, no, and he seems to have, like, gained respect for the Tanakh, whereas everyone kind of assumed that he was being held, that he was still, like, a prisoner, specifically. Um, and no, he is one of them, and he seems to... Which, the fact that he joined them and that he... Um, kind of understands them, um, kind of makes you go, oh, like, the Tanakh can't be all bad, right?
0: Yeah, totally, because the whole perception, like, everyone in the Karja, everyone you've met before this, is like, oh, they're just, like, bloodthirsty. They just kill everyone, and they don't have feelings. Like, that. that's almost how they try to present them. And then you meet this guy, and he's like, the Tanakh have good ways, the Karja have good ways. They also both have bad ways, and I'm really hoping that i can be a key part in kind of repairing this relationship i was once karja i do consider myself Tanakh now i wa- i knew avad before he was king i want to help set things right that's sort of his aim and he also recognizes that you're on a mission that's important and so he says i'll give you passage into the Tanakh lands like let's do this embassy once that happens i'll give you that pa- i'll give you my like medallion that shows that you should be in Tanakh land. So people won't just like kill you on sight. You you get that sorted out. The last banners raise. The Karja embassy comes out. But then a group of rebels. Led by Regala. Attack as the embassy's is coming. Um, all the Karja get killed. Um, Varl's with you. Uh, he doesn't get killed. But he manages to escape. Back towards. Uh, the town we were at. The Tanakh marshals largely get slaughtered while this is going on as well by the rebels um it's like a bloodbath for them like the the rebels also have machines that they've overridden um which the Tanakhs don't do they haven't done this before regala is unique in having rebels who have machines so this is uh a very lopsided um attack basically um though is able to survive. Because a rebel champion uh, comes with uh, this glider down to her to fight her kind of one-on-one. And Aloy's able to best him and kill the champion. And so is like, okay, you've earned your life for now. And the rebels leave after massacring basically everyone else.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank. I'm so happy we got that glider pretty early pretty early in the game because that is a lot of fun. And um, yeah, uh, Regala's great. Angela Bassett voices her. She's not in the game a whole lot, but she has that gravitas, you know? She just starts talking and you listen. You're like, whoa, she's, uh, you know, she's dangerous. She's good.
0: Oh yeah, she's great. She, she is definitely a highlight for that. I felt like every time some Regala battles were going on, I was super interested. I thought that was cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad we got the uh, glider early on, too. At first, I was not like as impressed with it. I was like, oh, do I like this glider? And then as the time went on, I was like, I really like this glider. I'm jumping off of everything um, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and uh, walking as little as I have to because I'm just going to try to glide as far as I can. <laughs> this, of course, uh, gets Aloy back on her Aloy. Uh, moves, which is continuing on alone. Um, she leaves Varel behind again and says, You're hurt. You gotta rest up. Come <laughs> see me later. So, oh,
1: no, you can't follow me. Oh, that's so sad. You should heal up. You should stay here and heal up. That's the best thing for you. I'm so sad. And she, li- and she really likes him too. That's the thing that kills me is that she, he's like one of her best friends and she's still like, Nah, you stay here.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. I, I can't imagine if you were someone who she didn't like. If you tried to, like, hey, I want to be on your journey, she would just be Mm -hmm. (laughs) so rude, probably. (laughs) But even for, yeah, someone she really, really likes, like Varl, it's like, sorry, you gotta go. (laughs) I gotta go. You're staying here. Mm -hmm. So Aloy then goes into the Forbidden West, um, and she makes her way to the coordinates that Silence gave her. um, And she finds a hologram there of Silence interrogating Hades. To get information about Gaia. So he's also after the Gaia backup like you were. Um, he interrogates Hades. And you get led uh, to where Hades is. There's like a um, a big drag mark in the ground. So you know that's where Hades went. You go and find Hades. Hades is basically like insane from being tortured by silence. Uh you also learn how to craft fire gleam, which is, uh, there's like this kind of red uh, fossil
1: looking stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like half flowers, half crystals, kind of growth in certain places that kind of block the way in some time. And you've kind of encountered it already, um, if you've been exploring on your way. Um, and it's like, oh, now I can do that thing. So basically, you can just stick your staff in there and blow it up so that kind of opens up a lot of areas for you opens up some ruins and like ways to solve um some puzzles so it's kind of one of your first big unlocks
0: yep yeah now you could maybe blow through a wall that store was locked or something like that so um that happens uh you also make your way to this like locked hatch where there's supposedly a copy of Gaia in there um, and you end up being able to get inside because you have Elizabeth Sobek's genes, so it, you know, you can say Elizabeth Sobeck Alpha Prime or whatever, and get inside. And you get inside, and you do find a backup of Gaia. In fact, you find two backups of Gaia. So you take one, and while you're kind of trying to figure out, okay, do I, like, take the backup backup? Or, you know, whatever. Um... some real spacey people uh, who look real futuristic show up and they include a woman who looks a lot like Aloy, (laughs) Um, uh, which gives Aloy a like "to fuck (laughs) kind of (laughs) moment. And uh, they show up and, uh, you know, feel kind of immediately in charge. They're like, oh, kill her. Grab the Gaia thing. Uh, Let's go. And Aloy's like oh fuck and so she tries to fight them very briefly and they're invincible they're almost like uh, futuristic gods of sorts Um, and Aloy ends up being able to escape because she gets knocked off a platform into like a flooded section below and so they like try to kind of shoot down at her but she just kind of sneaks away in the water and they're kind of careless and they're like ah whatever she's probably dead she fell in the water kind of thing so uh this is pretty crazy
1: yeah this whole sequence made me go to fuck uh very much um so okay on multiple levels so first of all um i as soon as i saw what we later learn is beta i was like oh well yeah that makes sense why would we why did we assume that Aloy was the only clone she's a clone like they made one why wouldn't there be more? So I was like, oh yeah, that I guess that makes sense that there'd be others. Um, but I was still surprised. And then just the um these like space tight, like futuristic space people that show up. I was like, oh, this is very different from what we've had. This is like the new thing that we have in this game as opposed to the what we've experienced so far and from the last game. Whereas it has only been um tribes and like um tribes that have grown since the um since zero dawn since basically the apocalypse where they're all kind of at the same spot where the old technology is like um residual from the people that died before that they don't really know how it works and all this stuff and these people come in and they seem obviously to know how technology works very well and it's very different and I was like oh and I initially did not know how I felt um when we kind of learned who they are and why they're here I was like oh okay that kind of makes sense and we kind of planted the seeds earlier in the game so it made sense but it was just like I said it's just so different from everyone else that you encountered in this game and the last game that it it surprised me that we were kind of going down that direction um and I didn't know I didn't know if I liked it at first. And I honestly, I still don't know if I like it. I, I I'm undecided, but, um, but more so at the beginning, I was like, Oh, Hmm. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about this, but
0: yeah, I, I, I think for me, like you said, my first kind of response was just total like shock about it. Um, and then as time's gone, I have been into it more and more. I don't know if overall, I don't know at the end of the game, I guess we'll have some more thoughts on that, but, uh, I think that they landed it still pretty well because I think if you said, "I played this game," and then our clone had another clone, also there were people from space who were futuristic who showed up. <laughs> that yes. would that would normally sound like they jumped the shark. Like you'd be like, "What yes, the fuck is totally. that?"
1: if you're just fast-pitching that and you're like, yeah, there's more clones and there's space people, you're like, what are we doing? Like, that's not Horizon. Like, come on.
0: Right. Yeah. It would sound bad. But because of all the context they give us and the things that happen after this, instead, I feel like at minimum, I would feel okay if not liking it, you know, like, which I don't know. I don't know how they pulled that off, because I think that (laughs) that fast-pitched version of this could sound like, A giant mess and you'd be like i hate that that sounds terrible kind of thing but i don't know they made it work and they explained it well within the world and all of that stuff
1: yeah no it makes sense and it is a logical way to bring in because i'm sure they're like okay what's the new thing like what's the new antagonist aside from silence and hades like what else are we gonna do and they're like oh well like these people would have left like all the basically all the richest people of the of the world and all the most powerful people would have been like the world's ending bye like we're gonna head out and take off in a rocket and we're gonna go find somewhere else to live because we can and that makes perfect sense and then uh yeah it kind of how it how the story unfolds it all makes sense and is logical and uh fits within the world so I i don't dislike it at all like i i more like it but I don't know. There are certain aspects of how it kind of unfolds at the end that I'm not a huge fan of. But generally speaking, I, I, I like it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that we are on the same page there for sure. I feel similar. Um, Cool. So we meet our space friends. However, Aloy in her escape is kind of injured. She, like, uh, escapes kind of through the water of the building and then kind of, like, collapses into, like into a riverbed or something like that outside of there. Um, And so then we pick up with Aloy waking up, and she finds out that she got rescued by Varl. He met a woman named Zoe from the Otaro clan, and they decided to help Varl and Aloy. So Aloy's been getting bed rest. She's pretty beat up. And she's in a spot where she legit just needs to rest. You can't do anything. Um, You are too hurt if you continue you aren't going to be able to accomplish anything kind of thing. So Aloy for a little while has to do what Aloy would hate, which is stopping. Like she, she just has to slow down. Meanwhile, uh, Varl and Zoe are going to go to the Ataro, uh, kind of council, um, to talk to them in their capital city called Plainsong to request access to this cauldron. Um, because the Otaro are likewise dealing with the blight, their lands dying. They have these problems, but the Otaro are super uh, superstitious, I guess. Uh, they they basically believe certain machines are land gods, kind of thing. I, I don't know if there was like a hippie tribe, they would sort of be that <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> a
1: little bit, yeah. They're they're the tribe of the earth, you know. They're um uh. I love how all of the tribes are very different and have their own like cultural beliefs and their own um, the things that they put importance into um, and also that their look like the look of their um, their clothing reflects that and I think that they do a really, really, really good job making these games in differentiating these tribes and they all have different beliefs and also their beliefs like kind of interact with the state of the world cuz yeah the utaro are live in an area where the um the like terraforming machines are where they like do the crops like they like harvest things and seed things and they like maintain the land these machines so like it would make sense they'd be like yeah these are our, like land gods like they feed us like and they make sure that the land is working and like the crops are going well and like we're dependent on them, um, and then yeah, though they they are the hippie tribe and they all I think it's it's so neat that they all carry like a seed pouch like on their body at all times and when they die, what they do is they take their seed pouch and they plant it so that it's like they're not forgotten because then something grows from from their death it's really interesting like i i like i said they do a fantastic job of of having so much history and culture within each tribe that it's fun to investigate
0: yeah i really like that about the seed pouch thing i was like i'm not a hippie at all but should i buy a seed pouch now like carry it it around with me from now on like that i don't know that seems nice because their whole thing is like you know death brings life and like the, the cycle and you're part of it and like that kind of thing and <laughs> I don't know. I like that. Um, and also, like you said, they, their their experience with machines is only good, right? It's the terraforming machines. They've been good. They haven't really run into corrupted machines until recently, which uh, is a bit of a shock for like Aloy or Varl because they've never met a good machine. The only machines mm-hmm. they've ever met are, I don't know, the Pharaoh Plague type where they just try to kill you because you're around kind of thing. So uh, the Yotaro have experienced a very different machine life experience. Uh, experience kind of thing. Um but recently corrupted machines have been uh starting to attack the tribe, the land is dying, things like that. And they've got this cauldron where the land gods would go once a year and I think basically they'd go there and they'd get kind of reprogrammed or like booted up or fixed by the machine a little the cauldron a little more and then go back out and keep providing. But now the gods have gone in, and then they come out bad, and (laughs) more bad machines are coming, and so they're in this spot where, uh, the cauldron is viewed as a holy place, uh, where the machines go, even though it's bringing badness, like, uh, corrupted machines and stuff, it's not really a place you're supposed to go. Uh, on the other hand, for Aloy or other people, uh, it's, well, we do need to solve this, though, and, like, Aloy having her knowledge of everything in the first game is like, I know what's in there. I can fix this. Like, let me go in there.
1: Yeah, they're not gods. They're machines. And like, and there's a place in there that maintains them. And the thing that's maintaining that machine is not working anymore. Like, she's very pragmatic. And which comes with just having the knowledge base of like, what is actually happening. Um, Yeah, and trying to convince someone who's like, no, no, this is how I've always known the world of of that is a little tricky right
0: yep yeah so uh you you go before the council they ignore you they basically have the philosophy of like well we're a part of the cycle if the machines kill us and we die and our seed pouch brings new life later that's fine and aloy and varl are like you're stupid and zo is uh i think a pretty progressive utaro so she has her beliefs she believes in these things but she's not simply a like what the council says is always right or you know any of that kind of stuff instead she's kind of someone who pushes buttons um and so when the corrupted machines break out of uh, the cauldron and attack a bunch of people Aloy, varl and so are like well cool we don't need permission anymore it's a war zone we're just gonna go do it and so they go and they override the cauldron. They, you know, no more corrupted machines are coming out of there. And so from here, Aloy, Varl, and Zoe go set up a home base. Um, And it's this old lab uh, where the terraforming systems kind of used to be, I think. Um, And they reboot Gaia that Aloy had picked up earlier. And Aloy tells them that she needs to gather subordinate functions to have enough power to trap Hephaestus. So Hephaestus is kind of the... Uh, I don't know, bigger AI that they need to be able to solve the terraforming issues. Um, but Hephaestus is big, like Gaia is big. So if you get enough subordinate functions under Gaia, Gaia will be bigger and then be able to override Hephaestus. And so Gaia sends out kind of a signal of, okay, where are all the other subordinate functions around the world? Um, can we go get any? And she gets coordinates for Aether uh, 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 Poseidon, and Demeter. And they're kind of scattered around uh, the Forbidden West. And so Aloy is like, okay, I'll go get them. But uh, the kind of memory storage that Aloy has is only big enough to pick up one at a time. So you've got to go pick up, uh, you know, one of them, come back, upload it to Gaia. It's now a part of Gaia. Then go out, do it again, and then do it that third time. So that's that sort of gives us our mission for the game, by and large, is go get these three. In this time, Erend comes and joins you at the base. So then you've got Var, uh, Zo and Erend, all with focuses, all training with Gaia, uh, all um, getting ready for what comes next with getting Hephaestus and all of that. So uh, their kind of role is to get ready. Aloy's is going to go out and do the stuff.
1: Yeah, I was happy to have set up a base that also wasn't too big, because if you, if you give me a hub that's like massive, I, 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 my sense of direction is terrible and I just get lost. But no, it is a simple hub. It's a big circular room with little rooms coming off the ends or um, surrounding it. And I, I liked that all my people were in one spot and that I could go back and talk to them and see if they had new things to say and that they were all interacting with each other also kind of in the same place. Um, so yeah, that was the part of that, that I liked the most that was like, Oh good. We're all together. We're all talking and we're all interacting and that's fun.
0: Yeah. I like that. I could just go back. Like for me, at least the way I played was I would solve one of these. Then I'd go back before I'd go talk to Gaia. I would just talk to everyone there and do all my conversation mm-hmm. pieces then talk to Gaia, then head back out and kind of repeat. Um, And I like that of kind of a, okay, I've done a lot of intense stuff out in the world for a while, and then I just get a lot of character depth um, and kind of new assignments and stuff like that before I head back out, which, I don't know, that really worked for me of like, you know, lots of game stuff going on and then lots of conversation, lots of game, yeah. you know, that just kind of pacing thing. Pacing
1: wise, it was nice. And also I liked it's a little thing that they did where they put um, little indicators over top of characters when they had something new to say. I was like, thank you. Thank you so much for doing that so that I'm not just like going back and being like, do they have new things to say? And then I talked to everybody and I'm like, nope, nothing, nothing came of that. It's like, no, no, it was usually if something had happened, like along the lines of the single player campaign, of like some, we had accomplished something. Usually that's when they'd have something new to say, and there'd be an indicator to tell me who had something to say. So I wasn't wasting time going around to people, and they were like, oh no, there was no point in that.
0: I appreciated that a lot. And then inside the conversation, too, if it was something you'd talked about, it wasn't, it was like yeah, grayed out. It was out like grayed whatever. out. Yes. That, great. Thank that, you so much. Oh, yeah, that was huge because that made it too worth it. Yeah, I just felt like it was worth it every time I talked to them that I didn't, you know, stumble onto a conversation I had 10 hours ago or something like Mm -hmm. instead it was all fresh, all new, all stuff and that you knew that they interacted with each other along the way. I feel like a game could have been clumsy with this and had them all independently do things but not like acknowledge each other. So I really like that they did that
1: it's really like it's actually happening where they're all living in the same space together and having, you know, human interactions, which sometimes go well and sometimes go poorly and that they would have things to say about that. Yeah. And,
0: and bringing together such a uh, different group of people, you know, right now it's somewhat different, but as time goes, we get more allies. And none of these tribes are alike and their outlooks mm-hmm. and things like that. And like, you know, you have some of that of like, oh, uh, you know, we play machine strike together. That's fun. Uh, and the characters like talk about how they did that or, you know, eh, they're kind of weird um, or, <laughs> you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So I, I like that. Aaron,
1: or Aaron calls uh, Zoe's tribe like, uh, I forget what, something about like grass people or something like that. And she takes offense, you know, stuff like that. And, but it's like, oh, you all worked out your differences. It's a little bit idealistic, maybe, I guess. But I'm like, this is so <laughs> nice. People from different places can get along.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and, and and I think that they are, they're all just, like, figure that out, too, because they're committed to Aloy. They're committed to yeah, the mission. They, they have a you know, common
1: goal, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they've got that common goal. And I think that they all trust Aloy or that Aloy trusts them enough that she'd invite them into the crew. That's true. That
1: kind of gives them near the end of the game where the last couple people that she brings in, she's like, hey, I've got somebody new. They're like, great, send them over. Because, yeah, they trust Aloy's judgment of who she's bringing into their little team. Yeah, you're right, for sure.
0: Yeah, so I I don't know. Yeah, that stuff is cool. I really like this as uh, your kind of respite along the way. Cool. Okay. So this heads us off to our first subordinate function. Um, you technically can do these in any order you wish. Um, but they do give you recommendations on your like skill level for each one. So, uh, ether is the easiest one. Poseidon's the middle one. Demeter's the hardest one, so to speak. And they are all at, um, locations that are closer to you so ether is the closest one poseidon's a little farther away demeter is on the other side of the map um kind of thing so it, it is set up and i think wants you to play it doing ether poseidon demeter in that order um you may have not done that but uh as the listener but that's what i did did you do it that way too
1: yeah same i just i went by what is the level uh, required like suggested requirement for each one and that's kind of i went in order for sure Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Same. Uh, And I'm glad I did. I think the story... I like the story this way. So um, I think that that it's good that they gave you a recommendation, even if you chose to do it differently. Um, But so going to Aether, Aloy goes towards the coordinates where they are, and it's at this Tanakh stronghold called the Grove. And the Grove is pretty cool. It is basically this old um, world ruin. That's a museum about uh, this group of uh famed soldiers called the ten who the tanakh basically based their whole like tribe after <laughs> they're these kind of like herald warriors of the past and the museum like honored the things they did so it brings up significant things they did significant people and uh kind of the attitudes the process the um all, all that stuff about them and so the Tanakhtha have basically um shape themselves around this
1: yeah i i took it i i took it as like they they were like fighter pilots that they looked up to is is kind of the impression i got um and yeah and they found this old uh museum that has these holograms um like a like a futuristic museum that would have happened before zero dawn of that kind of commend all these achievements and everything and yeah it's it's interesting that that they're like yep we're gonna focus our entire um culture and how we like the importance in in different aspects of things we're gonna have built it all around this one museum which i guess i mean i don't know it seemed a little not shallow but it was like oh you you really found a lot of importance in this but i guess like they they're they've always had a lot of war within their tribe so i guess that would make sense that they would really look up to warriors like old like almost godlike warriors so Mm -hmm. Uh, and and they like take
0: their principles from this
1: museum so it's like these
0: people were brave or they faced overwhelming odds but they still did it or like you know things like that and so they just kind of those become like the core values of the Tanakh. And so it's like, oh, if you're someone who shows bravery or courage or fighting skill or whatever, then you're important. And like you said, the Tanakhs have largely been three tribes who kind of war with everyone, including each other at times. And Hakaro is the first one who's ever united all the tribes. We find out that the coordinates lead to a room that is under Chief Hakaro's throne room, but he won't let you down there. Um... He says, you can't go down there. He says, I'm the only one who's been down there. I went down there a few years ago um, when I became the chief. Uh, I got a hologram. It told me what to do. That's why I am fighting for peace to unite the Tanakh tribe itself and also wanting peace treaty with the Karchus. So you get some more more kind of um, lore about that. And so he says, you can't go down there unless you help me. And... He needs help because one of the Tanakhs clan, called the Sky clan, are unwilling to send participants to the Cool route. The Kulroot's cool this uh, training principle kind of thing they do, where marshals get confirmed. So a bunch of Chief Hakaro's marshals, of course, got killed by Regala at the beginning of the game. And so Hakaro needs new marshals. He needs new people to, you know, help give his order among the tribes. And so he sends you with Catalo to the Sky Clan. Katalo, as we mentioned, is a marshal, but he's missing an arm. He was at uh, that attack Regala did at the beginning of the game. He lost his arm, but did survive. And so Katalo is uh, pretty stone faced, I would say, at this point. Kind of stone faced, slash, kind of uh, sad, because his warriorness is impeded. By Having one arm, he feels kind of the tension of that, but then also, uh, is not sure that they can convince the Sky Clan of anything. We find out that he was once a part of the Sky Clan, um, but when you become a marshal, you kind of forsake your clan and you're a marshal, and that's what you do instead. So, he, um, has familiarity with the Sky Clan, but he's sort of bad blood, um, and it's also pretty concerned about not being respected as a warrior anymore because of his arm but you two are sent there to try to convince them uh you get there their leader is a guy named Takote he's a dickhead um and basically is like well we got this big wall uh we're safe from all the problems out there so we don't really want to come <laughs> and so you You say, all right, fine, Uh, Katalo, how are we going to figure out how to get him to come? Uh, Katalo says that he doesn't really think that you can, because he basically wants to sit and see Regala uh, um, Chakotay. Basically, was hoping the other two tribes get kind of wrecked by Regala, and then he can show up and just become Chief of like the chief of all of them, because he'll just show up and save the day. That's sort of the Sky Clan's aim here.
1: Mm-hmm. So which in true Aloy fashion, she's like, oh, he feels safe behind his wall. I'll just blow I'll get rid of the wall then. <laughs> yeah. Of a giant mountain wall that's been there for like, you know, ever. Forever. She's like, oh, I'll just get rid of it. I'll blow it up. And then she sees like, you know, a old um I if it's an old machine or an old bomb that's like within the wall, that she's like, I'll just hit that thing blow up the wall, and then they'll come, which my thought was if you blow up his wall, he'll probably try and kill you because he'll be mad. But no, that's that's not how it worked out. She's blew up the wall. He's like, I guess, I guess you're right. I now have to come to the cool route. <laughs> and then that's what happens. That was, uh, yeah, that was, I felt like a little bit of a leap. But I mean, I guess he stated, as long as I have the wall, I'm not going. So she, she, she got rid of it
0: right it, it, it's it feels like uh yeah just like shamed him into doing what he'd said even though it's like if, uh, it's bad that you blow up the wall but <laughs> i guess that's what you gotta do to convince this guy to not be an idiot about this mm. so he agrees all right fine i'll send my prospective marshals to the cool route so you head back to the grove the cool route is ready to commence um but you have a pretty strong uh belief that regala's rebels are going to attack during the cool route uh i think both i think this would be strategic for regala but also uh i don't know probably do a lot of morale damage to chief akaro and the other tanakh that like oh you killed all our marshals while we were trying to raise up marshals you killed him again like um so regala is going to use this opportunity to attack so aloy is on the defense Akaro is basically like, you make sure my marshals get confirmed, you can go into the bottom of the throne room, you're all good. So the attack does happen, as expected. Um, In the attack, you fight a bunch of machines and rebels. They end up breaking kind of through the lines and actually make it into the Cool Root Arena. Here you fight a, I think this is a new machine, right? It's when we fight the Big Snake. Is that here?
1: I think so. I think that's the first time you see. Yeah, the slitherfang. I'm pretty
0: sure. Yeah, slitherfang. Yeah, uh, which is wild. Um, <laughs> uh, fighting that, uh, you also end up saving Hikaru. You and Katalu, I think both do. I think Katalu, like jumps into Hikaru to stop something from falling on him, and then you like manage to drive Regala off. Uh, so you did it. You the the marshals get confirmed. Uh, you manage to fight off Regala's rebels, Regala gets away still, and Hikaru says, you know, you've more than done good by us, you did what I asked, please go into the throne room and get what you want. You go down there, um, you get ether, uh, and when you do this, it causes the uh, system to reset down there, and what happens is the museum displays, more of them pop up. Something that happened earlier is the displays you had some of them are sort of faulty so it's like you would get every like three words or like you know half a sentence nothing you know a sentence another sentence later kind of thing like they're they're kind of fuzzy so to speak but when you do this reset uh a bunch of new displays pop up that weren't there before you also get uh some displays like becoming in full kind of thing
1: Hmm. and aloy is you know the savior again now like another tribe is like oh you did this great thing we have all like these um i f- they don't call them holograms they call them something else but um all these like visions are back now which i'll come back to this just for a second the idea that when they made this museum so there are some people that are in charge of making these holograms to talking about this military thing that happened like years ago If you told this person, like, hey, one day, this tribe is going to take every word that you said, like, to to the gods and be like, oh, this means, and it's going to inform their entire religion and their entire culture of, like, how you phrase this thing about this one fighter pilot, that's kind of hysterical to me. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's true. Like, that's what happens. Like, somebody writes something down and then... Centuries later, someone takes it and develops this whole belief system about it. But I just think it's funny that like someone's job was like, I got to figure out how to do this thing, you know, like any job is, it can be kind of monotonous. And it's like, ah, how am I going to do this? Ah, well, we'll say this, that'll work. And then they're like, ah, yes, that's the, the 10, the, the, the warriors, It just crack, kind of cracks me up. Um, but yeah, so she's a savior again.
0: Yeah. She's a savior. Super respected here again now. Um, you also get the vision that popped up that was the one that Hikaru kind of taught him to go for peace. And it's actually part of a speech from Elizabeth Sobek, right? Am I remembering Oh, I that? don't
1: remember this. Oh, shit. Maybe it's not her. I believe you.
0: No, no, no. You're probably right. My memory is terrible. Ooh. I'm I'm questioning myself now. I think it's a... <laughs> well, because I'm... I, For some reason, I think it's her, but then I also don't think I remember Catalo or anyone being like, whoa, you're in the vision he saw, you know, or like that kind of thing. Mm. So that makes me wonder if it wasn't her now. Hmm. It might have been just a woman who was a pilot who was great, but uh, instead um, of Elizabeth Sobeck. But regardless, you hear the speech. It's cool. Hikaru says, that's what I saw. That's why we do what we do. And it's sort of a rallying point for the Tanakhs. All of that. It's good. Uh, after this, too, Kotalo commits to joining your quest. He says, you know, you saved the Tanakhs. I feel like I've done all I should there as a marshal. Karo has new marshals. I want to join you. And so you say, okay, cool. Go back to the base and train. Varl, Zo, and Ered are there. They'll catch you up to speed. Kind of thing. So, big. One down, three to go on these subordinate functions. All right, so... After we manage to take Ether back, we upload it to Gaia, and Gaia ends up getting a distress distress signal from Yoluthia. Um, and this was a subordinate function she hadn't caught before, so it kind of catches Arcur's eye, and are like, "Oh, let's get this. Um, we didn't know this was here, but also it, it seems urgent. Maybe we can get to it before the Far Zenith do." And so Aloy, Erend, and Varl go to investigate, and while they're there, they find, uh, Verbana, who's one of the Zeniths, uh, fighting with Tanakh's, like, rebels, um, and at first she's basically, like, god mode killing them, like, they come at her, and they're, like, shooting at her, and she just, like, kills them, or one of them, like, stabs her with a spear, she doesn't have anything happen, and she just, like, wrecks them kind of thing. But then um, a group of them are up on like a, a hill and they use this like cannony looking gun and shoot her with it and it basically like breaks her shield and then they're able to kill her. And so Verbana dies, but manages to also kinda of kill all these Tenox rebels at the same time. And so Aloy's like Aloy and the gang are like, whoa, that's crazy, they killed a zenith, how did they do that? Um, so they go to investigate this, like, super weapon, but it just self-destructs before they can, Aloy, or anyone can learn anything about it. So, um, kind of a wild first (laughs) event for them here on the way to, uh, this distress signal. Um, but they head into the facility to try to find Yeluthia, and, um, they get there, and they can't find any uh, subordinate function, but instead they do find, uh, Beta, and we find out that Beta had sent the signal in hopes that they'd find her, so when Beta had saw Aloy and was like, oh, you, like, exist, and you were able to escape from them, and you're, you're different, um, and she reveals a little bit about her past, and that uh, basically she got formed on a Far Zenith ship as a clone, and has basically been just like put to work as their like gadget basically like you just have to learn a whole bunch and then when we need elizabeth sobeck's genes you're here to do that
1: <laughs> yeah basically she's like their little key that they grew but that they also want her to yeah know things about elizabeth and how horizon uh how zero dawn happened and kind of all that information so that she's useful um but, yeah, they just kind of use her as an object, as, like, a tool that's there when they need her. Um, so she's basically their prisoner, more or less.
0: Right. Yeah. And that she's obviously super, like, fucked up from this. Like, she's...
1: Yeah. She's on the skittish side. She's a little yeah. she's a little anxious. She's a little nervous. She's, like, doesn't really want to tell them things. Yeah. Um, She's kind of nervous about divulging any information because I'm sure, you know, her entire life was, she wasn't able to speak freely. So she kind of doesn't want to. And yeah, she's not in a great place.
0: Yeah. Or ever like interacted with people or been treated like a person or, you know, any of those things. Like she's, I don't know, not well. Her, her like existence up to this point, I think has been pretty shitty, but Uh, She wants to return to the base. Uh, She wants to join up with you. um, Because she thinks that you can stop the Zeniths, basically. Um, So she heads back to the base with Varl and Erend. And Aloy continues on her journey to look for subordinate functions. So this leads her to going after the second one, uh, which is called Poseidon. Which is in the ruins of Las Vegas. Um, And... On her way to where the coordinates are, she meets um, some Delvers who are, are basically like scrap merchant type people. Um, three guys called Morland, Abaddon, and Stemmer. Uh, we mentioned Stemmer earlier. Uh, I like him a lot because he basically is the member of the group who just narrates the things that happens. And he has a good voice.
1: <laughs> he does have a good voice. He's got, he's got a good radio voice uh, or a podcast voice, I suppose. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, and he just is, like, the great hero returns. And he's, like, speaking to Aloy's face. And she's, like, okay. And she doesn't really know how to deal with that. That's kind of uh-huh. comical.
0: It's great. And and that, like, she gets it a little, like, she's more okay with it. As time goes on, she's, like, oh, that's just him. Um, yeah. <laughs> but in yeah, the beginning, sure. she's just, like, who is this guy? Um, and then um, of the other two, Morland is kind of your... Uh, I'd say he's like the enterprising, uh, inventor type. And then Abaddon is kind of your... Yeah, and then Abaddon's the, like, realist. He's like, we can't do that. We could die. Like, that's sort of what he brings. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and in your kind of meetings with them, they were working on a diving mask to be able to go into this casino that's flooded. So this is kind of a cool set piece of, uh... You know, you're in the middle of this big desert, but then you've got these ruins of Las Vegas casinos, um, but then inside the one where you want to go, where Poseidon is, it's just flooded. Tons of water, like stories of water kind of thing. So, you know, no human could just swim down there. You need a mask kind of thing. Uh, But his mask hadn't worked. And so you talk with him a little bit about it and come up with machine parts That he could use to be able to make you breathe underwater he says sure if you can find those parts i'll build it i think it will work and Aloy does that Aloy now has a diving mask so similar to earlier how the fire gleam opens the map up this diving mask will again do the same thing uh your world gets bigger I was talking to a friend, and he described it kind of like uh, in Pokemon, where when you get a certain ability, you know, the map gets bigger. You could do cut or fly or surf or whatever. This is sort of the same idea, is you start to get some new abilities, and your map becomes bigger. Things that were closed off no longer are. And that's sort of what this starts to bring.
1: Yeah, kind of like a the metroidvania aspect of like oh remember those caves that and i also appreciate that when you tried to go into those like underwater caves if it was too far and you wouldn't be able to make it she'd say i think that's too deep i can't make that yet i'm like thank you for informing me same thing don't make me test it out and then like try a couple times and then to realize i can't (laughs) i agree uh yeah vegas was very cool i i kind of count Uh, There might be more but I count kind of three areas that are based on real places, whereas the first area when you first go into is based off some lore that you find is um, supposed to be. um, Zion National Park, and then this is obviously Vegas, which is in, in the desert and then it's kind of like based on the strip and then later on, you find San Francisco and. Each one was very cool. Like I appreciated each one. Once you kind of get Vegas up and running, and then later on in the game when you're running past, I'm like, oh yeah, there's Vegas because you get all the lights working and everything like that. And it's it's kind of neat, kind of in the middle of um in the middle of nothing like Vegas is.
0: It, yeah, I really like that. I, I like that a lot about Vegas. Uh it was pretty cool. So your diving mask gets you to the bottom of this though. You end up draining the underwater casino, and you fight uh, this uh, big alligator thing called a Tide Ripper, um, which was intense. You also find out in this that you can't fight when you're underwater. So you just, like, if you see machines, you basically need to outrun them or hide kind of thing. So here, you had to drain the water. You fight the Tide Ripper. This allows you to recover Poseidon. Um, Also down here, this is where... Uh, the first time where you know what to do with the orbs because Stemmer was after one. Um, And so you can get him one here. And then, as you mentioned, uh, the lights around the city. So these orbs are actually different, like, holiday lights. And so when you give them to Stemmer, he can actually change what the light show around uh, Las Vegas is, which is kind of fun. I really liked going back to him and, like, putting a light in. He's like you get like Christmas lights and they're like, oh, it looks like a winter holiday or like, you know, them trying yeah. to kind of figure out what the things were, which uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was pretty fun. I enjoyed that a lot and made Las Vegas a place I liked returning to after this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their interpretation of things that they have like no cultural knowledge of and like how they uh, perceived it was always interesting for sure.
0: Yeah. Like they, um, I feel like I remember they were like thrown off by like the bunnies at Easter. They're like, what is this? Um, (laughs) Or something like
1: that, that, but that would be funny.
0: (laughs) It's something like that. They're like, oh, maybe it's this kind of holiday. I don't know. Why did they worship (laughs) this? Like, yeah, it was fun. I I really enjoyed that. Um, I think there's one where you can do 4th of July and it's fireworks over it. That was cool, too. Um, But pretty cool. Cool guys to meet here. I enjoyed them um but you managed to recover poseidon so this allows you again to continue on your mission you head back again to gaia upload poseidon in there that's good now you head off finally towards demeter which uh demeter is on the total opposite side of the map so if ether and poseidon i would say are probably more like the middle or maybe even like the first third of the map you actually have to go to basically the entire opposite side to get to Demeter. Like, it's it's pretty far. You head there. You're deep in the Forbidden West. When you arrive there, you get attacked right away by some archers. You end up finding their camp and destroying it, killing all these people. And you ultimately end up meeting Alva, who is a member of this tribe. Um, they're called the Clan. We mentioned them a little bit earlier. And we find out that she's uh, a Seeker. She's like a... Her role in their tribe like we talked about earlier is to basically just gain knowledge to learn things um, but it's also restrictive in there of who you can tell it to and what you can learn um, but you two team up to try to find Demeter um, because you're kind of after the same thing and Alva has shown that she's not a like shoot on sight person like the other Quen were um, Other things you find out about Alva here that were interesting, uh, she has an old focus, so you end up giving her a new one and there were all this um, information that was she thought like restricted or forbidden knowledge, but it was actually that she just had old software and it couldn't read it um, kind of thing. So when you give her a new focus, she's like, whoa, I can read way more than I could and is enthusiastic about that. And then also that they're from an island far away. So are they from
1: Hawaii? Is that the idea? I thought, I think they're from San Fran. I think that San Fran kind of got um, that. I don't know if the water levels changed in a certain way where that kind of became a detached area. Um, But there's like the Golden Gate Bridge at the far northwest part of that island.
0: I, I thought that that was like a group and they were farther away from that is that not right i might might be wrong um i don't know Huh. all right well listeners they probably do know so (laughs) tell us what it is because um yeah because for some reason i was in the impression that they were from farther away because they had to like return home from where they are with knowledge to help where they are Oh,
1: where they are from originally yeah maybe yeah you're right because they were like oh we got here with a boat
0: Right, because they were talking about the boats, and it wasn't just the part later where they're at the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, like 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 this
1: is their new settlement. This isn't like their original home.
0: Right, yeah. I think you're right. That made me wonder if they were like, I don't know if Hawaii is too far. It seems like it would be, but (laughs) they made it seem like they're from really far away. Right, yeah, it's like they hey.
1: built a really good boat. Who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that worked. That would be something that yeah, if anyone knows, please write in. We would love to know about that. Um But nonetheless, they're they're pretty different, um tribe, I would say, again from our other ones that we've met along the way. But you two, uh, in your quest to find Demeter, you end up finding an upgrade to destroy the metal flowers. So the metal flowers are uh, kind of all around the world, again, similar to like the fire gleam or um, the other stuff. And they block your, they block empty holes in the wall with vines that you can't get through. But this upgrade allows you to basically like hit the metal flower and the metal flower takes the vines away um, once you like hit it enough. And this allows you passage into new areas. So again, your map gets bigger, you can do more um, after this, but you, yeah, you get this, you get Demeter, um, but then a bunch of the Quen show up and are ready to kill you, uh, for killing some of them earlier, but Alva's able to spare you, uh, because she calls you an ancestor reborn, and you find out, um, that the Quen basically have a lot more knowledge of the past than, any of the other tribes. So a lot of the other tribes, right, we've met have largely either had fragments of the past or have, like, um, been afraid or rejected, like, the technology of the past. The Quinn, on the other hand, have, like, fully embraced it. So, like, they know who Elizabeth Sobek is. They know who Ted Pharaoh is. They know who the Far Zenith people are. You know, all, all of that stuff. They know all of these people. And they're all kind of, like, legends or heroes of old to them kind of thing. And so... Alva's able to be like, don't you know you're in front of one of the heroes of old? This is an Ancestor reward. This is Elizabeth Sobeck. You can't talk to her that way. And they're like, uh, okay, fine. You know, we'll let you go.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're like you said, they're very different. They have focuses, um, which they, I like that they, as part of their, um, the clothing that they wear, like they decorate their focuses. Because they're so like culturally important to them, so like it's really elaborate over their ear of where the focus is, and um, and they use like more like sea type um things. They have like sea glass and like shells uh, that are part of their clothing. That's really interesting to look at. Um, so yeah, they're they're just a different group to encounter, and then I I do love their leader, who is another another dickhead that we're going (laughs) to meet. His name, this is is conjecture on my part. I don't know if this is backed up. I didn't read every log that I picked up or like listen to every audio log because there's just so many that I just didn't do it. I don't know if this is what it is, but his name is CEO, spelled C-E-O. And my assumption is that either he named himself CEO, because they looked at all this old stuff that these very important people were called CEOs, and that he either named himself that or his parents were also like higher up in their society, and they're like, He's important, therefore, we're gonna name him CEO. And that's like where that came from. I'm assuming that's what that is, but I, I just like that detail that, of course, he would either name himself or be named CEO after a ceo of what they think is an important person from the old times and that's a little tiny detail that i think is so cool
0: i agree i love that detail too and uh yeah total dickhead that guy's the worst um (laughs) um, so um from here though after this meeting with alva this has aloy heading back to gaia She's now got all three subordinate functions. And she's at a spot where they're almost ready to trap Hephaestus. However, um, Hephaestus has written out the alpha clearance. So Aloy, this whole time, has gotten clearance through things being like Elizabeth Sobek, alpha prime. Like this high clearance level. And they she realizes they need to get a clearance level bigger than that. Um, and so Gaia says... They need to go after Omega Clearance, which only Ted Farrow had. So he had the, you know, highest level of clearance anyone could have. So, okay, let's go find Ted Farrow's bunker where he hunkered down at the end of the world and steal his clearance level. Then we'll have access to being able to override Hephaestus because right now our level won't quite do it. So Aloy uh, heads west towards where Farrow's... uh, Bunker is said to be, and this is where the Quen have set up their base over by the Golden Gate Bridge, like we mentioned earlier. We of course meet their uh, leader, CEO, who uh, you'd mentioned, and he sees himself as uh, Ted Farrow reborn, basically. So he's like, you know, I'm CEO, and I'm uh, one of the greats of old back here to, you know, they made the world great before, and I'll make it great again, sort of thing. Like he's god he fucking sucks <laughs> um and they found uh this area they call Thebes uh which is Ted Pharaoh's bunker but they can't get in because it's got all these like block clearances kind of thing so Aloy has to find a secret way in she's able to through some like broken holes in the wall and stuff underwater and all that stuff she makes it in and she lets them in uh to Pharaoh's bunker but before they can go in, C.O. basically m- puts himself in Pharaoh's garb of like cl- clothing that's modeled after pictures he was wearing. So he kind of cosplays as Ted Pharaoh, and he makes Aloy wear Elizabeth's garments and is like, you need to do this too, which uh, was super fucking weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. And of course, Aloy hates it because she's like, I'm not wearing that. She's like, he must be joking. I'm not wearing that. And they're like, well, we're not going down if you don't. Basically, you're going to, or we'll kill you. Basically. So she's like, fine. And it really it reminded me of The Witcher three when um oh my god, I'm blanking. Uh, Geralt, um, when he has to go to like this fancy party and they're like, no, you have to wear like fancy stuff. <laughs> like here, here, pick one of these three fancy outfits. You got to wear one of them and put your sword away. And he's like. I really I don't want to do it. And they're like, you have to do it. And he's like, fine. And then he's so uncomfortable. Same thing. <laughs> Aloy, it cuts to Aloy in this different outfit. And she's just like, ah. And you can tell she's so uncomfortable outside of like her warrior garb. Like, she's like, what am I wearing? Like, I feel ridiculous. And then, yeah, CO is just all about it. He's like, no, no, like, this is where who we are. Like, you know, this is our stature and our importance. And she's like, no, this is stupid. What are we doing? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But it gets Aloy into this. She wants to get this Omega Clearance. So her and CO and some of his guards and Alva start walking through uh, Pharaoh's bunker. And along the way, Aloy and Alva are the only ones with with, uh, focuses. CO doesn't have one, doesn't know how to use one. The soldiers themselves don't either. So... Aloy's going around and getting all these data points and just finding out how fucked up everything is in this bunker. We knew Ted Farrow was a dickhead before from the last game. He's still very much a dickhead here. Um, And you find out how bad things are. And, you know, he's like, oh, what did you learn about Ted Farrow? And you're like, oh, uh, he was great. That's what we learned. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile,
1: Ted Farrow is like losing his mind in this bunker and he's just like delusional and thinking up all these excuses for why things have gone the way they have. And she's like, it's fine, I guess. And he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. He was amazing. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that whole sequence was pretty, was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and as it goes, you see Ted Farrow start to like kill off some of the people who are in his bunker as he's getting more uh, unhinged in all of this. And you end up finding a log where... Uh, I think that everyone had killed themselves, or Ted Farrow had killed them, but Ted Farrow had found, had like finally gotten some genetic modifications to essentially try to be immortal um, developed. And, but there were also like um, potential mutations or things that, uh, side effects that could happen from this. And so Aloy like reads about this and is like, Uh, I'm gonna get this clearance and just leave. Like, I don't wanna kinda see what's going on. And she kinda realizes, oh, mutated Ted Pharaoh is on the other side of this door. And Aloy's gotten what she wants, and so she's like, Okay, there's nothing else here, let's go. And CO's like, "Uh Uh-uh, we're almost at the last door. We gotta see what his like final words were, like, Ted Farrow is the best of the old ones. We have to know what he says. And Aloy's like, I don't think you want to go in there. <laughs> but CO, of course, being who he is, he opens the door and he gets a glimpse of the genetically non-human Ted Faro monster he's become, essentially. Um, and is like, sickened. And he's like, burn this place down and kill everyone. And Aloy's kind of like, I told you not to go back there. And now she's dealing with being uh, attacked as this is going on. And uh, like uh, a self-destruct has happened because Ted Farrow being the dickhead he is made it. So his tomb when he dies would explode and kill everyone else. (laughs) God, he's the fucking worst.
1: (laughs) He's the worst. Uh, Yeah. Shocker. That genetic uh, modification to make you immortal would go badly would have unfortunate (laughs) things happen instead of you know your ideal like you know the monkey paw where you're like I want to be immortal it's like well you're gonna be a monster also like all right um yeah surprise surprise um yeah this whole sequence was it was it, it was fine I didn't think it was amazing like when you're running out the whole story aspect I really liked um running out of the tomb or not tomb well now it's a tomb but um this whole like science uh facility uh because it's kind of um falling apart and there's fire everywhere and things are falling and all this and you're running out and it was it felt fine i don't know i i didn't feel like this like Oh my god and now i'm running over here and now i'm running over here and now this thing's falling like i didn't feel this thing that i sometimes that you get sometimes like i think of like um like um sequences in like uncharted where it's like you're running through an area that's falling apart and it's like really dynamic i didn't really get the same thing um which is fine it's not really what i what i come for to horizon for um but yeah but the story stuff was i really liked for sure
0: yeah, I I agree. That was what I was thinking too. When you were like, you know, that part wasn't great gameplay wise. And I I think you're right. Horizon or like or I mean uh, Uncharted or like Tomb Raider would be a thing where like a scene like this would be like whoa and you're getting out and it's like yeah all wild like really
1: cinematic and you're like oh I just dodged that and like it's all kind of pre set but it still feels really dynamic and like you're it's happening as you're playing and um really in the moment. This was, this was fine. It's fine.
0: Yeah, this one more felt like it was your normal gameplay, but there was fire and you were escaping kind of thing. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, which like isn't a bad thing, but it wasn't the like cool thing that like an Uncharted scene would be, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, this results in uh, all the guards and CO dying. You and Alva do manage to escape, though, and uh, you get... Kind of outside of it and uh bohai is a guy who was kind of co's right hand person but not like necessarily an ally it was more like well he's my boss and i'm sort of second in command kind of thing and so he asked you what happened and at first you like Try to be like, oh, like Sia was really sacrificial and like died to make sure we got this information.
1: (laughs) And he calls that out instantly. He's like, nah, that's not what happened. He was a little cowardly dickhead. That's not what happened. I know it, you're lying.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he calls the lie out and they're like, okay, fine. Um, Really, you know, this bad stuff happened and it all like, they tell the truth and he's like, okay. And they also say, so we're gonna get a whole bunch of information that will be able to save the quen and you can take credit for it like you can look good in this We'll we'll do all the work and he's like cool i'll take looking good um (laughs) and so then alva goes and joins aloy's base she goes on ahead her mission again to find a bunch of knowledge to give back to the quen but also joining aloy in her quest so now aloy's got the omega clearance she's got the three subordinate functions Now they can try to trap Hephaestus. So, um, there's one cauldron called Gemini. This is where, uh... Oh, I I think, actually, um... I guess before we talk about that, updates on the Far Zenith, um... Have come along the way, even though we didn't talk about them. So we find out that the Far Zenith are the people who went to space from long ago. It's not their ancestors, it's actually them. And they did develop, um... I guess, stable technology to give them long-lasting life, uh, and that they are the rich people that fucked off, you know, a thousand years ago or whatever.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Is this when you find out... It's when you get back to the base, right? And you talk to Beta, and she kind of tells you about... um, She tells you a little bit more about the Zenith and about um, Tilda, who is kind of the one that she had the most interaction with, and how she talked to her a little bit like she was a person, and like she would bring her into this like kind of like a digital like a VR environment, and they would talk like people, and then all of a sudden it was it stopped and she got cut off, and then she felt super super lonely again, um, and yeah they kind of detail the whole the whole story of, of that they are the same people, which the assumption up to that point was yeah that they were um. Descendants that they had found a place to live and that they had made like a new society and that They were like, you know, the 10th generation of these people that had left and it's actually the same people
0: Yeah, that they managed to do what Ted Farrow didn't, you know, that they Perfected that kind of technology or whatever, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think Beta, Beta doesn't know why they left uh, The Far Zenith colony though in space, right? Because she got born mm-hmm. on the ship on the way back to Earth, I think.
1: Yeah, because they come back and they're like, well, because the assumption is they found a new place to live. Why are they coming back to Earth? And the assumption was that they were just coming back to colonize it, to basically wipe everybody out and just start anew on Earth, which eventually is not the case. But, um, but that's kind of the current assumption.
0: Right, yeah, that's kind of their current assumption. So, um, yeah, we've got more info on the Zenith. We don't know fully all the way who they are, but we have a lot of information. We we mostly know who they are. Also, because of that weapon that we saw kill Verbana earlier, we know they can be killed, even though it is hard. Um, but that they are super dangerous. And also that there's not a ton of them left. Um, from Beta's kind of talk about them, it sounded like there was, like, 15 or 20 um, that it wasn't like there was like spaceships and upon spaceships of them. Instead, it sounds like one ship got out with this group of people.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think this, this is so they're getting ready to go to Gemini, which they need, they've discovered that they need because it would take too long to trap a Festus, it would take like many days for just like kind of the processing power and the data to go through. So Aloy's like, well, that's too long. Like, they'll figure out where we are and they'll kill us. So she's like, wait, what if there are two clones of Elizabeth Sobek, it's because there's her and there's Beta. She's like, how much How much faster would that be? And um, Guy is like, oh, well, that would take like three hours or something like that. It would take a tiny fraction of the amount of time. So Aloy's like, hey, Beta, you need to come with us to trap Hephaestus. And then Beta is, of course, just all out on this plan. She's like, no, I'm not. Le- Basically, I'm not leaving here because they'll take me again. They'll imprison me again. There's nothing you can do about it. She has a very pessimistic view of kind of the entire situation. And she kind of seems to think it's doomed, which frustrates Aloy to no end, because Aloy is kind of the what? what's next? What do we need to do? How are we going to fix this? um what's the plan and she's so frustrated with Beta and she doesn't really know what to do with her and I think it's one of my favorite kind of scenes in the whole game and the build-up before that is that she's like I don't understand why we're so different we come from the same person and Aloy really looks up to Elizabeth and kind of thinks of like she's so she was very brave and industrious and like she was planning and trying to solve the world's problems and she's like why is Beta so accepting of defeat i guess and she's infuriated by this and then they have this like conflict where she's like she wants her to come with her to fix this thing and beta doesn't want to go and they have this fight about it and it's fascinating i really really liked it
0: i i thought that was great too and 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 just that um i i think that this is one of the first times where Aloy's had to deal with someone who's negative you know like Mm -hmm. Aloy you know disregards her loyal friends who want to help let alone (laughs) you know anyone else. She kind of takes
1: him for granted that people are just like on board with her plan like she's like yeah of course like people are on board with my plan of course they are and when someone's like no I'm not she's like what do you mean like she's very frustrated by it.
0: Yeah And, and I think like you said with uh with Beta like Beta um you know, made this move to get saved by Aloy and company. But then ever since then has been like, but what about this bad thing that could happen? And is basically like paralyzed by all the bad things that could happen and being captured again and how bad it would be and all of those things. And Aloy's like, well, you need to do it because, you know, fighting for things is worth it even when it's hard. Like that's Aloy's like whole disposition. Um, And to meet someone who's genetically the same as her, but doesn't hold that, really fucks with her. And we find out it fucks with, it fucks with Beta and also that uh, but yeah, just that it's hard for all of them to deal with. And that Aloy's having a hard time dealing with there being another clone of her. You know, like, mm-hmm. there, there's part of her that she thought, oh, I was Elizabeth Sobeck's, like, you know, Hail Mary. I was the only one. And then to be like, other people took this too? Like, how do I deal with that there's Another me who doesn't feel anything like me. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on there. I really like that too. I, I think after a while, Beta was my favorite person to go talk to just because their interactions were so unique.
1: Yeah, because there's a conflict there, and you're getting like growth and um, just personal growth out of this these conversations that you're having as opposed to being someone you're talking to Aaron or you're talking to Varl and they're like, Yeah, I'm your friend and we're gonna do it and we're gonna do it together and it's great. And it's like, okay. Or they might call her out on on bailing on them. Like, whoop de doo. But it's not like an actual like philosophical conflict. Whereas beta has that. And also, um, I really like a lot of the writing in this game, especially like anything that's like emotion based, I think is really, really good. Um, they pull in this aspect of, um, Aloy not dealing with Rost dying, with like basically her father figure from the first game, who dies to save her, um, who's like the only person she knew growing up who had faith in her and like, you know, taught her things and, um, her only parental figure. And then it is talked about earlier in the game, mostly by Varl, who's like, hey, Ross died and like, you know, that must be really hard for you. And like, you've been working so hard to not, that you haven't had to deal with it, but it must be hard. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And she kind of like brushes it aside. Like, yeah, that's not important right now, which is like what I so many people do. And like, it's just like a common coping mechanism, right? For like, anytime you're experiencing grief is just to pour yourself into something else so that you don't have to think about it. So you just are so busy that you don't even have time to address it. So that's been kind of an underlying thing that's been mentioned a few times throughout the game. And then she finally kind of talks about Ross with Beta because Beta kind of says the same thing. She's like, why are we different? Like, why do you, why do you have this thing where you, can, where you can fight and you have this, um, this willpower and I don't have that? And that was a really good moment, because Aloy is like, why is she not like me? We have the same uh, genes. But Beta is thinking the same thing, but from the other side, where she's like, why am I not as strong or as willful as Aloy? Like, I feel like the lesser one. And why am I like that? And then once Aloy realizes that Beta feels that way, she empathizes with her more. And then she like brings up this hologram of Ross, and she's like, well, I had him to tell me that I could be strong and that I could accomplish things and that I had value and like that she never had, like Beta never had that. And that's seems to be one of the big differentiating factors. And then they kind of bond because they understand each other better. And I thought it was just fantastic. Whereas some of like the, the plot device writing, I wasn't the biggest fan of, but like all of the emotional character writing, I really loved. And this is like the shining moment for me. This was like my favorite scene as far as like a character interaction scene was this one because it kind of tied it all together for me.
0: Oh, it was so good. It, that, that breakthrough moment so great that you just mentioned of that. Like we have the same genes. We were both outcast, blah, 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 blah. What's different? It's Rost. Mm-hmm. And then that, that, that sympathy that brings, that breakthrough moment. And it gets Beta to this spot where it's like, Okay, I don't know if I trust this plan. I don't know if this will work. But I'll choose to trust you, Aloy. I'll go on your mission. Um, you do have to promise me one thing, though. Don't let me get captured. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to get captured. Kill me. Like, I don't want to go back. And you're like, okay, I promise. And so now you finally yeah. can head out on your mission. And so, you know, we still need three hours to capture Hephaestus. Even with two Elizabeth Sobeks, so Aloy, Varl, and Beta go to one cauldron. This is where they want to trap Hephaestus. But then she also sends Zoe, Aaron, Catalo, and Alva to other other uh, cauldrons, and that they're going to cause a diversion. So basically, they're going to do a power surge there uh, at each of the cauldrons there. At meanwhile, the power surge where water, where Aloy, Beta, and Varl are capturing. Uh, Hephaestus, will happen in one spot. So then, if the Farzenith do notice the power surges, they won't necessarily go to the right one. Um, That's sort of their game plan. So, they do this. Um, Aloy, Varl, and Beta do manage to trap Hephaestus. Their plan does work. But Hephaestus uh, tries to fight them off. So, he starts having the Cauldron create machines to fight them. Aloy goes and kills the machine while... uh, Varl protects Beta, and Beta works on capturing Hephaestus. This all, ultimately, is working out for them. Aloy destroys all the machines. They all capture Hephaestus. We've done it. But then, the Far Farzeniths show up. They're ready to wreck shit. Um, Aloy tries to fart- fight them. She gets injured uh, and almost knocked out. Varl then tries to step up, and uh, one of them kills Varl. He, like... ...runs him through with a sword or something... ...a spear... Um, ...this is horrible... ...seeing Varal go out... ...and the... Uh, ...Varzenith scoop up Beta... ...and they're getting ready to kill... ...Aloy... ...but then... Um, ...and Aloy's on the ground... ...and she like pulls up her spear... and ...or her uh, bow and arrow... ...and aims it... ...up at Beta... ...but then like can't bring herself to do it... ...and starts to cry... And then uh, when one of the other Zenith is coming towards Aloy to kill them, a third Zenith shines like a a big like flashing light, essentially, takes Aloy and escapes. Uh, (laughs) This is fucking wild. Um, (laughs) A a lot going on here. Uh, A lot of feelings, a lot of roughness.
1: I knew it too. I knew it. As soon as Aloy kind of gets like dashed to the side and like she like falls. And then Varl kind of steps up with his bow and arrow. And then Eric, cause that one of the Xenos is walking to, I was like, oh no, he's so gonna die. And I would knew it. I knew it from the start. And then I, w- I was just waiting. And then it happened. And I was like, oh, why Varl? He's the best of them. <laughs>
0: I know. It had oh to God. be viral. <laughs> I know. It's it so rough. It's like he's 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 the gem and he, he goes out he's here. He's the gem.
1: I was very it was just I was very upset. Yeah. So Viral's Varl, gone. And Beta's gone and then um and then yeah, we're set up with this whole thing with Aloy and Tilda which is uh, a very interesting part of the story.
0: Yeah, this is pretty wild. So Aloy wakes up in Tilda's home and gets to kind of find more about the Zeniths. Um, you get a lot of backstory here. Um, you find out that Tilda actually used to date Elizabeth Sobek back in the day, which is pretty crazy. That you you'd, And earlier you'd heard one of their audio logs, actually, at the beginning of the game, where um, Elizabeth was sad about kind of the last conversation that she'd had with Tilda, because uh, I think Far Zenith was trying to get uh, Elizabeth to give them technology to, for their like, space launch, and Elizabeth said no, and I think they stole it anyway, um, <laughs> kind of thing. So there's some tension there, but then also that before the world was ending, Elizabeth and Tilda were close and had dated for a while. So you get kind of an update on that. Tilda also gives you more, like, Far Zenith updates. Um, tells you kind of how they got there. Uh, that she betrayed them. Um, I th- I think one thing that happened, which, uh, I don't know, makes sense. The Far Zenith are people who were shitheads on Earth, and now they become immortal. So they've had, like, I don't know, thousands of years to be shitty. Um, so they've all degenerated, I would say, quite a bit into even worse humans it seems but then also that when tilda first met aloy when aloy first saw the far zeniths at the beginning of the game that she like it kind of reminded her of elizabeth and of what elizabeth actually wanted and that elizabeth was right and she was wrong even though elizabeth died here on earth and all of that stuff that she had the right view about all of this stuff in the Far Zenith way it was not right. Basically.
1: Yeah. Cause at the time, um, and also I think it's very cool that they planted this thing that is, um, that gives you kind of like emotional context so early in the game and you wouldn't even know, um, that you could go back and you could play and you could be like, Oh, that, that there's like this foreshadowing throughout the game. Um, very cool, but yeah, Tilda has since gone off for like what a thousand years and watched everyone. Just um, which is inter- It's it's kind of plays into this whole commentary on um, kind of uh, VR and like basically um, the um, I can't think of the word. Not the meta space. The meta meta. Oh, you know, uh... what's shit
0: i'm i'm blanking on it too
1: what all the rich people want to make <laughs> the metaverse yeah, yeah. The metaverse. <laughs> yeah um, there we go basically a commentary on like that whole thing of that they went into this like virtual space where they could have anything they want or do anything they want and that they were just kind of content to sit in that and they didn't um deal with any problems around them that they Um, Had access to too much, basically, and that they could just ignore all the problems and kind of just hope that they went away. And also, they've been so kind of rich and powerful their whole life that things just worked out for them in the end. So I think they kind of assumed that this would also just work out. So they just kind of got lazy and didn't address anything. And then, guess what? The new colony that they had basically got destroyed because they could have fixed it and they didn't. And they just um yeah they just got lazy and like rested in their comforts and so yeah so Tilda kind of has all of this history of seeing this happen and knowing that oh in retrospect Elizabeth was right whereas at the time she was like well no we'll just start a new world and that's fine and she was like oh no like she was right this didn't end well so it makes sense that yes that she would see Aloy and be like oh yes like I remember Elizabeth and, like, what the original plan was and what the mission was. And, yeah, it's all tied together very well. um, And everyone's kind of motivations mo- pretty, more or less, make sense.
0: Yeah, it does. I feel like they're, um, I don't know, if they had a game Bible or whatever, like, they did a really good job at, um, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, keeping, sure, yeah. keeping this all, like, so together like it doesn't um i'm sure that there are lots of times where if a game does well it has a sequel because it did well this one doesn't feel that way like it feels like the they made another one because there was more things from the past and the present that were to be told sort of thing which is cool Mm -hmm. like uh they even with crazy things like people from space happening and all that stuff like we mentioned earlier like yeah it's cool
1: But it would make sense that people would leave the planet if the planet's dying, that like the most rich and powerful would leave. Like, yeah, that's a logical thing. It's not it's not this crazy reach. Um, Once we get into the whole immortality part. Well, now that's a different story. But I mean, once you have, you know, the rich and powerful leaving the planet and going to a different place in the galaxy, well, now it's like everything's up for grabs, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, and if in real life it heads that way, this is totally what they'll do. So, um.
1: oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> had... It made me think of that that Netflix movie, um, "Don't Look Up," me for too. all its like you know all its flaws or you know uh, good things and bad things. I was like, oh, this makes me think of that so much of like people ignoring the problems and just being like no we'll like we'll get this money over here and it's like no but the world's gonna end and they're like no it'll be fine it's like no then it did actually end like no you actually had you have to deal with things just because you have access to money and power and stuff it doesn't make problems just go away just on their own
0: right they're like but we won't die on earth it's fine yeah uh, it's that's, fine we'll just take
1: off it's okay. that's
0: yeah that's totally what that movie put forward and also totally what the far zenith put forward and mm-hmm. what people now do too so mm-hmm. <laughs> it hits all three yeah, it's really uplifting yeah <laughs> yeah 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 really wholesome content for us right now <laughs> no yeah so okay this ultimately kind of results in aloy and tilda having sort of a um reluctant alliance i would say tilda of course wants this but aloy is kind of like i don't know you just killed varl i mean or well your people just killed varl and you know, all this stuff. And, you know, you befriended Beta, but then didn't, um, you know, and that sort of stuff. So Aloy is willing to take in uh, Tilda as an ally, but also is going to keep her some at arm's reach because you were one of the bad guys for a long time. So <laughs> Aloy heads back to base. Um, she crafts an override for a Sunwing. Um, also, we didn't mention this, but inside this base they have Aloy can craft overrides for a ton of machines so I think in the old game the previous game you could override like the bull or the horse here you can ride a lot of different machines um which is pretty cool but the Sunwing is the biggest of the birds so Aloy's got a plan tells Tilda I'll call you when I need you I'm gonna go talk to the rest of my people we've got a plan to do so she craft- crafts the override for the Sunwing. she talks with Zoe about Varl, um you go to Varl's grave out there, it's pretty sad. Zoe also reveals that she's pregnant and was going to tell them after this mission. Uh, all the sadness, for sure. Um, and 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 the whole team is beat up about Varl dying too. Everyone's sad about that, for sure. Your next plan um, is you are going to go to... there's a battle that's going to happen between Hakaro and Regala, so there's kind of your final battle between the tribes um and you find out that silence along the way has stuff to do with this you don't have quite the full picture but what the picture is is silence essentially wants the rebels to defeat hakaro because silence wants to use all the tanaks to attack uh the far zeniths ultimately like that's his aim but you don't want to let that happen because for silence his motto essentially is like uh that the ends justify the means kind of thing. So for Silence, if I could defeat the Far Zenith, it doesn't matter if all the Tanakhs die because I defeated the Far Zenith. You know, like that's that's sort of how silence would approach this problem. Eloi, though, doesn't want people to die needlessly. She's not in favor of this. So she needs to put down Regala and the Rebellion. So she rides her Sunwing into battle uh, to fight alongside Hakaro and the Tanakhs to defeat Regala. This, of course, is like a big Wings of the Ten moment for the Tanakh. They're all like, holy shit, the Savior's riding. They f- flew into battle like the old ones. Mm-hmm. You, you have a boss fight with Regala where you can ultimately choose to kill her at the end of the battle, spare her. Or um, I think you can not make a decision and then maybe Hakaro will. Um, so I, I killed Regala here. I don't know what you did.
1: I totally killed regala because she was still pissed like even when she lost she was still like no like she was defiant and she was kind of insistent that she was right on and i was like well you're just gonna do this again like you're you're we're gonna have to deal with you again so i'm like you're not sorry like you don't see the error in any way i was like i don't see a better out than this so i was like nah it's it's harsh but i'm like you gotta die i'm sorry
0: yep yeah same for me you had to and also in her like backstory Hikaru had spared her at one point when he probably should have killed her when she maybe initially rebelled or something but he didn't and so she's been a persistent problem since then so to me I felt like it was like we need to write this so the Tanakh can move on sort of thing Mm -hmm. so yep kill her um After this, you're basically able to strong-arm Silence into your plan because you say, hey, your stupid army for your version of how you want to do this isn't here. You've got to join mine. I know you've got your super weapon that you can use to kill the Zeniths. We're your only option now. We're doing this my way. Um, And so now you've got your new crew of allies. So we've got our old group with uh, Zoe, Erend, Katalu, and Alva. Then also you have Tilda and Silence now a part of this crew, um, who are, of course, your more um, reluctant allies. You don't really want them as allies, but you need them for this final plan. So Aloy kind of sets up the plan. Uh, The Far Zenith have like a base off of uh, the lower side of the map, and you're going to infiltrate that to be able to kill all of them is kind of your aim. Um, And so she gives everyone their assignments, but then before, as people are leaving, she calls Catalo and Alva back and says, Hey, I have a special assignment for you. I only want you to know about. So she tells them what it is, uh, which is she wants them to go to uh, the control room and do something that's secret. Um, (laughs) And is like you know once once we're in there do this like don't worry about us don't worry about anything else do your mission kind of thing and Catalo and alva are like okay we can do that from here um the group assembles uh, outside of the zenith base and gets ready to make their attack um so you've got um silence and zo i would say are more your like um your sniper cover so to speak they're kind of further away from the action, kind of covering Aloy and Erend, who are kind of making one ground assault, and then Catalo and Alva are making another one, and then they'll break off to be able to do their, like, special assignment. So this is where we kind of have everyone set up what their plans are for our kind of final showdown. Uh, Our final showdown begins. You fight a lot of specters. Specters are essentially, like, a machine that... um, has uh it's not an octopus it's like but a it, fancy
1: machine it's like yeah. a fancy spacey looking uh like all the other machines you've been fighting except it's like a little rounder and a little smoother and uh yeah that's about it and it can shoot like plasma type things
0: yeah so they have a bunch of these kind of outside of the base patrolling so you're fighting a bunch of these as you go um katalo and alva break off And they end up using Hephaestus to create a bunch of machines that pop up here and uh, destroy all of the Spectres. So the machines that Catalo and Alva are pumping out are even greater. And so this solves Aloy's like aim of, right, I didn't want all the Tanakh to have to die for this. Machines can die. Who cares? Their machines um these machines our machines can destroy their machines so you've got this like mayhem going on where uh the zeniths like ride out to f- make this fight and then aloy and the gang spring up all these machines so it's like machine versus specter versus far zenith so it's like you know craziness going on silence then uses his like shield destroying weapon it breaks the zenith shields. They start getting killed, which was very satisfying to see because they're the fucking worst. Um, <laughs> um, most of the Zeniths get killed, but Eric and Gerard uh, kind of fly away. So Eric is the one who killed Varal. He's sort of your enforcer type, so to speak. And then Gerard's kind of their leader. So Aloy uh, heads after Eric, and then Tilda heads after Gerard. Um, and so Eric gets into kind of a boss fight with Aloy, and then, um, at the end, Zoe joins in, and Zoe ends up spearing Eric through and killing him once his, like, shield is down, he's done for. Uh, from here, Aloy continues up through their base, and she's able to find and rescue Beta. Um, they also had Beta in on the plan somewhat, um, because Tilda was able to link up use her like com link to talk to Beta. So Beta had some of a role in this. And basically like at first expressed she was sad that Aloy didn't kill her, but then expressed, I believe in you still kind of thing. So you get an Aloy-Beta reunion. This is great. Um, You see Tilda kill Gerard. And for a minute, you think that we've done it. We've killed the Zeniths. We've done everything we meant to. Here we are kind of thing. But then Tilda reveals uh, more about the Zenith, that she didn't tell all the truth. Um, that instead, um, the Zenith didn't just have like an accident happen, and that's why they left their colony. But instead, there's like a rogue AI Hades that basically destroyed their planet and drove them off of it. Um, called uh, It's uh, like Hades Nemesis is what it's called and essentially what these (laughs) the far zenith did was they like uploaded all of their consciousness into a computer and then neglected it and then it got resentful and sentient and then like fought back and destroyed everything
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's the most i don't even know what to say about that it's i i guess it would make sense they're like oh we'll just upload all our stuff into here and then that I don't know if that was the the idea was that this giant AI would just like deal with all their problems, or if it was a like self preservation thing that they're all their AIs are uploaded. I'm not sure. Um, either way, I'm like, this was such a meaningless thing that you did. Why did you do it? Oh, <laughs> so yeah, stupid.
0: It, yeah, it's like the um you people are so smart that you did something stupid kind of thing like
1: that's true that you have this ego and this like infallibility that you're like oh all of our decisions work out and everything's fine and we don't have to like pay attention um to what we're doing and like you know look for problems
0: Uh, right yeah well and just that they could like their whole life they have just disregarded things they didn't want to do or didn't like or you know whatever and it's like Well, you finally did that to like AI versions of yourself who, like, you're evil. Well, guess what? They're about to be, you know what I mean? Like, that
1: they can push, just push things to the side, and like, it doesn't matter. That things that they don't need, that they could just be like, yeah, you'll just go over there, and it, you don't matter, and that's fine.
0: Yeah, if anyone deserves what happened to them, it's certainly them, for sure. They, yeah. they're they're the worst. Um, but yeah, they've accidentally created this essentially uncontrollable monster who's more evil than they are somehow, uh, and also very very capable. So like one of the things that uh they did was like okay so they upload their ai AI there well their ai has all of their memories so it could remember like all the passcodes and all the stuff so god God, they're so stupid uh for this this is the ultimate like i'm so smart i couldn't be wrong and then it's like no you wrong you're dumb um but uh tilda kind of reveals all of this and she says so now we need to fuck off and leave earth because they're going to come here and destroy earth because you know the only thing that nemesis wants is to destroy anything we would want because we were such um bad overseers for them essentially that we will destroy they want to come after us in every way so aloy you and i we're gonna go find a new secret planet the rest of life can go on get destroyed who cares nemesis will do its thing it will think it's got everyone But you and me will enjoy life in Paradise 2.0 kind of thing. And Aloy says, no. What? Um, (laughs) If you think I'm like Elizabeth, you know I wouldn't do that. And Tilda's like, all right, we got to do this the hard way. Final boss battle. Um, (laughs) So you have a final boss battle. You uh, Tilda gets like a giant specter suit on. Uh, You end up killing her game over for them. Uh, you've survived. You finally defeated the Zenith. Silence shows up and is like, cool, I'm going to get on the Zenith spaceship and fuck off because Tilda is right. Nemesis is coming. Um, I knew about this too. My aim was basically to do what you did, except I'd be the one getting out on the spaceship. Um, and you're like, no, like you could stay. And Silence sees Aloy with beta and everyone else and he's like all right fine i'll help defend earth and then game ends
1: <laughs> yeah so this is where same thing where all the emotional points in the game i was like yes i'm all on board with this all the plot points i was like ah there." are some of the plot points so just the aspect that um I okay, I like that Tilda basically didn't learn her lesson, that she still was like, Oh, you'll come with me, right? But she should know that she wouldn't, and that this would be the outcome. And like, no, you didn't learn, like you you thought you did, but you're similar to the other ones. Like yet, you think you're, you're different from the other um zeniths, but you're not that different. And then I didn't like that basically there was like a final twist right at the end where it's like oh no they're not coming here to take over earth they're just pit stopping and going to the next place um and that this ai is coming to destroy earth so they kind of like dump that out and then are like okay but tilda's gone but the but nemesis is still coming and this is the end of the game bye and i was like i it always bothers me when Something ends with such a clear um, a setup for a sequel, right? That I'm like, no, this isn't. This isn't an ending. Like, this isn't an ending to a game. Like, you know, you are setting this up for the next game, which I just it bothers me, and it kind of makes that whole ending kind of anticlimactic. Where and the fight with Tilda wasn't that great. It was like, yeah, she was in like a, a mech that wasn't that big. Like it wasn't like anything that different or impressive. Like it wasn't super unique compared to the other things that you fought in the game. And I didn't think that as a, like a final boss battle that it was that impressive. And then you're like, "Oh, actually there's this way bigger threat and we're done." Which felt and they kind of did that with the first game, but that felt less It didn't feel like such a big deal in the first game. Because that was silence and like, oh, guess what? He still has Hades. And I'm pretty sure that was after the credits in the first game also. It was like a little bonus, like a little throw in at the end. Whereas this was like a big part of the story. And it just kind of felt a little lackluster to end the game that way. And I wasn't mad at it, like it's fine. But I was like, oh, that's not the best. It's not, that's not really the way I wanted this game to end, but I still loved it. Like I, it's a great game and all the emotional points and the way that everything connects together is still really, really great. Um, and I appreciate all that, but yeah, as far as like the unveiling of the, of the plot, I, I didn't love that.
0: Yeah. I think that's fair because like you said, with the one before it ended, you know, you won the battle of Meridian, and you're like, okay, we've defeated, yeah, we defeated evil, it's over. then you got that post-credit of, ooh, Silence is out scheming, and he's got more machines, and you're like, alright, I'll play the next one. Whereas, you know, like, this one is very much setting up, like, the okay, you finished part one of this story, but part two's coming later, kind of thing.
1: Yes, it felt like a part one of a very, very long part one of a two-parter. And I don't I don't love that.
0: Yeah, I, I I think that's fair. I I think conceptually for that I feel that way too. I'm I'm really stoked for the third game. Like I'm all about it. Um, in that regard, but as an ending itself, like I, I think your high point at the end of this game is actually the battle happening before you ever get to the boss fight or this information reveal. Like, I really liked when the uh all your machine you watched all the machines fighting all the specters. Like it was just such a big. You, you know, like, it felt like a like a Lord of the Rings-style battle where it's just it's so big mm-hmm. and it's going on around you. Like, that was really cool. But the kind of payoff for the other things is less so. Like, you know, I don't... Like, the Far Zenith are bad people and stuff like that. But personal beef-wise, it's like, okay, they killed Varl, so I have problems with them there. Or they did bad things to Beta. But, like, it's not... um I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, they're, the, the rival's not personal exactly, you know? It's not like... Yeah. Like, I don't hate them as much as I hate Ted Farrow still, um, or something, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. I agree.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. We did it. We talked about Horizon Forbidden West. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, really, uh... We we've talked about, I think, everything that I would have wanted to talk about in this game. Surprisingly, I don't have anything new on my general thoughts of something I wish we talked about, but didn't. We really hit it all up. So I don't know if you had any other things you wanted to talk about before we wrap up.
1: I think... No, I think that's it. I mean, we talked a lot. I'd hope that we have covered it.
0: That, that's that is true we we said all the things we could about uh horizon very much so which was awesome but um we do have a little listener feedback from people to wrap us up uh so we'll hit up those real quick um first we got eli on twitter said my game of the year for sure unless god of war ragnarok comes out but honestly i think this could win game of the year even if god of war came out really solid game so eli a lot of love here for this uh we also have daniel on twitter said i think it could have been better but i played it on ps4 Changing weapons and items is a hassle the frame rate isn't nearly as good as something like ghost of tsushima my non-ps4 complaint is she gets the shield but never uses it as a shield
1: <laughs> 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 annoying you know what that's a good point because the melee i it might have helped the melee if you could have like parried things um because it kind of the melee is a little bit clunky whereas you can really just do combos but like if someone hits you there's nothing you can really do about it except for dodge out of the way but you can't make like a parry a part of a combo which would be nice but i also yeah she has it and she's just like no i am just gonna glide with this the yeah
0: end. I, yeah i thought i didn't think like i maybe thought that like at the very beginning of the game But, you know, that was 50 hours ago, so I hadn't thought about it until reading this. And I was like, oh, you're right, Daniel. Um, uh, He continues, though, and he says, the story was still good. The characters are great. The music was pretty good. Voice acting was excellent. They made a lot of subtle changes that improved on the originals. I just think this would be a lot better on PC or PS5, though. Um, I played on PS5, so I can't speak to what PS4 was like. But from your point, uh, it seems like I'm glad I played it on PS5, because it ran great yeah. on my uh, ps5
1: same here I had a couple little buggy parts but other than that it, it for the most part it ran very very smoothly
0: i had one bug but it was like probably that first weekend of playing um like when it came yeah. out and i think i played i don't know probably like 4 or 5 hours straight and it got to a point where it got a little bit buggy and i was like oh i think i've just been playing too long so i like Turned it off and then came back a couple hours later and it ran fine. But there was a part where my like uh, screen got kind of glitchy and weird when I yeah I try, I like, try yeah it got kind of weird when I was like trying a hunting ground and I was like, well, I didn't really want to do this anyway, so I'll just stop playing. And then I came back and I never had problems again. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, my frame rate dipped to like six frames per second once and I was like, oh, I guess it's time for me to take a break. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that was was a while ago. That was a good like over a month ago Um, and I haven't had much since.
0: Yeah, yeah, same. Mine was very early on.
1: And Larry on Twitter says, I haven't finished the game 100% yet, but I do enjoy the story and characters so far. But the climbing and some parts of the gameplay seems seems to be a bit more tedious than it was in Zero Dawn. I don't know that I agree. Some parts of the climbing can... You know, I I think the puzzles to me were a little bit tedious um, in Forbidden West. The climbing, I think, is better than it was in the last game. Just because it does give you the option of um, doing your, like, pulse uh view where you can see your climbing points whereas the last game was much more limited it was like no you're gonna jump here and then you're gonna jump here and it felt like you could do a misstep uh, much more easily in the last game whereas this game seems to just guide you more um and you just kind of end up in the right place when you when you jump um but the puzzles i found a little bit tedious which is part of the reason why i didn't do Uh, almost any of the ruins because I was like I gotta push this box over here and then I gotta jump up here and then I gotta get this thing and then I gotta jump back down and move the crate again and it's like I I don't want to do that so I found some parts tedious not specifically just like climbing in general but but yes I did find some parts tedious
0: yeah I thought that like you said puzzles felt tedious and some of those of the ruins for sure Mm -hmm. I felt that too
1: uh, and Sonia on Twitter says, It's gameplay got some issues. The story end is kind of rushed. Yes, it's rushed. Absolutely. All of a sudden it's like, Oh, by the way, an AI is coming to kill Earth and we're done. Bye. I'm like, <laughs> what? what just happened? But overall, Sonia says, But overall, I love it. Agreed.
0: Callum on Twitter said, I've. Uh, i 'm a good few hours into the game i 've really enjoyed what i 've played so far annoyingly uh because i 've been quite busy i haven 't had the time to get back in it quite in quite a while i 'm really looking forward to returning it to it when I can um, yeah, totally understand that uh and then Chris says I should be about halfway through the game. I think I might like get better than zero dawn um so that's good feeling that way partway through the game. I hope the uh rest makes you feel that way too
1: mm-hmm. Uh, Justin on Twitter, I thought it was okay. Better than the original, but I didn't love it. Gameplay was good. I enjoyed the combat, but the traversal was pretty clumsy. My biggest problem is I don't care for Aloy as a character. I'll still end up playing the third one, though. That is fair. All those points are fair.
0: I think if you don't, and I think that thought, if you're not big into Aloy, I could see this, these games being less for you. But like for you and I both being like, We love Aloy. I think that goes really far.
1: Uh, And Fernando on Twitter says, at times the combat and climbing are more tedious than they seemed in the first game. Super interesting story with breathtaking visuals and plenty of exploration to do. Story, full rating system here. Story, 8 out of 10. Combat, 7 out of 10. Traversal, 10 out of 10. Interesting, because you said the climbing was more tedious, but okay, I'll give it to you map 10 out of 10 overall 9 out of 10 played ps5 application That's a very thorough review
0: yeah i know i was like wow really went in i like it
1: i wonder if people think back to the first game with some rose-colored glasses i wonder if they if we went back and played the first one if they were if they would still think that climbing was more tedious in the second one because I remember being very frustrated with it climbing in the first one but I don't know that was a very long time ago
0: uh, yeah I was wondering that too like I I feel like I missed spots when I'd climb and would like you know fall down and die or whatever in the first yeah, one yeah
1: or I'd be like I was halfway up that tower and then I missed this jump and then it's it was it yeah I remember it pissing me off a little bit in the first one
0: yeah, but in this one, I just did the pulse thing all the time. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to make sure I'm going in the right direction because it's going to work. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, I, I like that. And even like the um, in this game, they had a lot of those visual cues where it was like yellow. And you're like, cool, that's where I jump. There's no mystery here. Um, <laughs> which is good. I kind of want that because I don't, you know, climbing's fine, but I don't want to, I, I mostly don't want to be annoyed by it and this made sure I yeah. wasn't. So I was happy with Ahoid.
1: that. Aloy did jump the gun sometimes in giving you hints. That is one thing where it's like, I walked, I just walked into this room and you're like, maybe I should check out up on that ledge on the top right. I'm like, okay, just can you give me like two minutes before you're telling me, or before you're hinting at me where I should go? Like, I haven't even looked around yet. Like, I, there's nothing to indicate that I'm lost yet. And you're like, hey, do you want help? I'm like, no, no, I don't, I don't want help yet. Like, um, I don't know, maybe a like optional hint thing would have been nice to just be like, hey, you lost. Do you need a hint? Like, um, like uh, Tilu 2 did that. They're like, oh, do you need a hint? And I'd be like, no, I'm good. I, I want to look around and some more. Whereas they were like, oh, maybe that fire lame in that corner there, maybe that will help me figure out where I'm supposed to go. I'm like, okay, slow down, Aloy, just a little bit.
0: Yeah, I've heard that complaint from other people, and I think that is a pretty fair one because it, it's so early into it. It's like you haven't walked the whole room, and she's like, what if you use that box to go up on the right? And you're yeah.
1: like, yeah, <laughs> I should what? stack these two boxes together. I'm like, whoa, 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 I haven't even tried yet. It's
0: yeah, I, chance. Did, I didn't know there were two boxes to stack. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that, that if, if that was delayed, even like – another couple minutes or if the ai could figure out you walked the whole room or something like i don't know or give me a
1: button prompt if you want to give it really early and you're like oh people are getting frustrated early and you're concerned about that then just make it a button prompt then
0: yep I agree, I uh, uh, I would be into that. But yeah, overall, also we we surprisingly didn't talk about this, but the breathtaking visuals. Uh, this game oh looks great. Oh my god, it's so
1: pretty! How I, did we not talk about that? It's I, I, gorgeous. I
0: know this is this is actually maybe the best looking game I've ever played. Uh, like
1: as far as landscape, like an outdoor like once you're inside the um, labs and stuff, it's fine. But as far as outdoor landscapes, like sprawling landscapes, it's gorgeous. Like if you look at the like the wall of a mountain, and it just the the um, texture detail on that is, uh, yeah, no, it's gorgeous.
0: Yeah, incredible. Um, yeah, great stuff there. So right on, Fernando. Uh, last up, we've got Laura on Twitter who said, "I loved it so much; it got me super addicted." I did all the side missions and everything, Um, but on the first one, I only played main missions and a couple side missions. Um, With this one though, I couldn't get enough. I think it improves on everything in the first one and adds many great things, Uh, which yeah, well said Laura. I feel like that's what uh, we've said a lot through this, Um, and I think that you sum it up super well for us. Uh, Awesome game, improves a lot on the first one. Like we said at the beginning, if somehow you're you're you sat through this but didn't play, go play it. (laughs) It's great. I think even though we have said many, many, many things about this game, uh, there are a lot of things we didn't touch on at all that were cool and would be really enjoyable for you. Uh, So, you know, please go explore those. Um, You know, for me, I mentioned earlier, I'm 55 hours in. I'm looking forward to going back and finding all the stuff I haven't done yet. Like, I know there's still more to uncover uh and i'm eager to do that sometime uh in the next few months so yeah that is everything on this game um (laughs) so all right yeah katie thank you for coming on uh i'm glad we got to marathon this game uh this was (laughs) we had quite a lot to say but uh do you want to tell people where to find cutscenes and you and left behind game club and all that stuff
1: yeah, absolutely. So I am on Twitter. I am Lesperak, L-E-S-P-E-R-A-K. I'm up on there, and then Cutscenes, um, and Left Behind. You can find on all your you know major podcasting platforms. Um, Cutscenes is on Twitter and Instagram at Cutscenes underscore Pod, and uh, you can find everything Cutscenes at Cutscenes.ca, and then Left Behind Game Club is also um same thing you can find anything left behind at leftbehindgame.club and their twitter is left behind club instagram leftbehindgame.club they also have a discord um at slash discord um, or you can go to left behind club and there is a big discord button and uh there's a lot of nice folks in there we all, you know, just talk about games, what we're playing, um, what news, whatever news coming is coming out, we all kind of, we'll talk about it. Any game deals we we'll usually get discussed. Um, yeah, so you can come on, check it out. It's a good time. Both those podcasts are a lot of fun, you know, just positive. We like to like things and sometimes critique things, but you know, similar to this podcast, I would think.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I think so. Mostly love. For the things that uh, we just we decide to talk about, which is good. I think wasting time hating things on the internet is dumb. What a bad way to spend your time. Why would you
1: do that? Why would you just go on the internet or go on a podcast and be like, I hate things. Like, what's fun about that? Yeah. Like sometimes, sometimes somebody just doesn't like something, and that's fine. But then you know, we usually have an interesting conversation about it. At least it's not just like piling on of of just misery. Like, no, it's it's we have a good time.
0: Right. Yeah totally agree nothing nothing beneficial about that but what you guys bring and what i certainly try to bring is largely positivity about games and getting to enjoy things together with people which this has very much so been that as well getting to enjoy horizon together so again thanks for coming on if people want to check out more about our show on on twitter at story Ever Pod. our website's the greatest story that has a backlog of all of our episodes, including four other ones that Katie has been on. Uh, which are I think Soma, Metro 2033, Before Your Eyes, and Abzu. Oh. So Yes. Quite a variety of games. <laughs> which is cool. So those are all there. Among a whole bunch of other episodes. I did a solo one and Forbid uh Zero Dawn way back in the day, so check that out too. Um if you want to support the podcast, uh, you could do that at Patreon at patreon.com slash the greatest story ever played that can get you, uh, access to monthly bonus episodes we do that are topical in nature about video games or sometimes things outside of video games. Uh, if you want to just tell a friend about the podcast or rate us on the Apple podcast or something, that would mean a lot too. Um, but yeah, again, thank you for listening and, uh, yeah, have a great day, everyone.